0: hidden gems episode 59 taking flight with two and a new welcome to hidden gems a board game podcast where we review unusual forgotten and underappreciated board games we're your hosts my name is chris i'm jason and i'm bill thanks for listening to our show
1: yeah welcome back holy cow is this thing on (laughs) really (laughs) is it wired right I feel like we got to get a new shtick to begin the episodes, because every time we come on, we're like, oh, it's been so long. <laughs> but it really has this time. <laughs> Holy cow, what a long break. Yeah, True. it was good. It was needed, I think.
2: Yeah, it maybe.
0: totally was. I appreciate our listeners understanding that, unlike the Dice Tower, or the Secret Cabal, or all these other contributors who are funded and do this full time, this is a side thing for us, and sometimes we just need to
2: recharge the batteries you know what I uh, mean? you know you say that yeah. I, I will say it felt like a working vacation because we did a buttload Dude. of a, <laughs> a whole lot of we've, board games we played the, some freaking games we did i mean we, <laughs> we, we did our research i
1: feel like we've done well at mm. playing a lot of stuff in advance for future episodes <laughs> so so yeah. maybe that'll speed us up I, maybe it won't i
2: yeah.
0: would say thinking about where we're going and knowing kind of what our schedule is we've at least played one game in the next six episodes that we're doing oh really
2: yeah so we're like ahead of the game which is not normal for us (laughs) that's assuming that i will remember anything about that game just because i played it once now but yeah Yeah. don't trust any of bill's reviews (laughs) totally yeah we're reviewing something like that in what six months yeah I'm not, Chris, I have sure, played it. Bill wasn't even sure he had played one of the games from tonight's <laughs> episode. That's like, true. This morning. We had a little debate. Yeah, it was, it was been a, six weeks, I mean, right? Yeah, right. I
0: shut out a text. and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the rules for Jet Set. And then Bill responds with a Gandalf meme. I have no memory of this place. And I was like, oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. Yeah. Okay. No, I got it.
1: Well, what have we been up to in this long hiatus? Well, man, well, if you don't like our banter sections –
0: just skip ahead. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot to catch up on. <laughs> so many things to talk about, yeah, guys. Chris has been loading up on Literally, that, too. Literally, I have a list. I'm not going to do it all tonight, but let's just say I'm ready for the next few episodes. Some games to talk about, some books I've been reading, but I'm just going to hit just a couple. Okay. Because I need to talk about all my Christmas toys. Oh, yeah. The stuff we got for Christmas that we've been enjoying and playing with and stuff like that. Are you finally going to talk about your Oculus? I'm not talking about the Oculus. Bill, I haven't even played it yet. Oh, that, is, that is just criminal. <laughs> Absolutely criminal. will not you let me play with it? Uh, I told Bill I think Bill is more excited about me having the Oculus than I am. I'm excited yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many things competing for my attention mm-hmm. right now. But I'm right. getting to it. My kids are loving it, though. That's good. They play it a lot. They're really enjoying it. But a couple of things I want to talk about. This one I'm going to talk about real quick just because it was fun. It was just a fun trip down memory lane. And actually, brought my stuff in. I'm doing like show and tell here,
3: hmm.
0: so I'm showing the guys here. I read The Death and Return of Superman Omnibus, just wow. a few pages. This 1400 page behemoth, I was gonna right say here. that
2: weighs like 20 pounds, it looks like. Yeah,
0: so this is numerous issues detailing the death of Superman that happened in the
2: early 90s. Do y'all remember this? Oh, I that was that was one of my birthday presents I got a while back that I've got. The last set of, was it six or eight comics that took it to the end? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like in 91, 92, Superman dies, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And
0: I remember this was when I was really into it as a kid. Doomsday, right? Doomsday. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Spoilers, if you didn't know this, but Superman does <laughs> that. He doesn't they stay dead very long, but... Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's a 30-year-old spoiler.
3: So. It's a
0: 30-year-old spoiler. But it was just kind of neat to revisit it. It's funny... I'm not even really going to talk about the book as much as just my experience of coming back to something I knew that I knew and that I read, and it was literally like reading it for the first time. It's crazy how much we forget. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean?
2: Like, (laughs) I'm with you, man. uh,
0: You know know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Like, You'll do something you know you've done before, and you maybe remember 10% of it. I remember some issues and some of the covers really Mm -hmm. stuck out in my mind, but once I started reading I was like, I do not remember this at all. So it was just Mm -hmm. kind of fun to re-experience it I guess. Mhm. Kind of take that trip down memory lane. How could but. you not remember all 1400 pages? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a lot, but as you know Omnibus goes pretty quick. But I really did enjoy that one. Basically, the 2-minute synopsis, Superman dies, four people take his place mm-hmm. claiming to be him. Do you know right.
2: them Bill? Oh yeah. no, it's well, I'll I'd, be impressed if you get all four of these. Oh, uh, it's um uh, the the black guy the Man of Steel That's who is Steel, Steel. Yep, yeah. Uh, there's a kind of an evil the universe. Cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't think Superboy. Oh, okay, yeah, Superboy. Which he doesn't like to be called Superboy,
0: but he's basically Superboy. And then uh, the one that everybody forgets is the last son of Krypton. He's the guy that wears the glasses, the visors. Oh. He's probably the most enigmatic. They all claim that they're him. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you if one of them is him. They're all like him in a way. Right. But basically the story evolves to where he does come back in some way whether it's one of those four forms or something different and then kind of reclaims his place as superman so
2: it was just a fun romp yeah well it was funny i remember reading an article like a year after that happened and some guy was talking about how kind of frustrating it was at least to to the writer that really superman didn't die this is after superman came back and the only person that died was clark kent which is a thing that the common man could relate to right that we're we're us and you know maybe we could be superman in a way kind of thing totally right so yeah yeah yeah
0: it's an interesting time in comics too because superman sales were really low at that time Mm -hmm. and so they needed to figure out a way to shake things up and this made national news i was probably too young to remember that but i was reading some of the letters here in the omnibus and they were talking about how it was unlike like time magazine and rolling stone and nightline and stuff like
2: that it was like a really big deal back then Uh, that's why i got it as a birthday present then because it was such a big news and i wasn't really that much of a comic player but it was people thought you know bill would be just because of his personality type and so (laughs) i got that for me but (laughs) it was cool i I liked reading through it 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 was fun
1: awesome i have no history with any of this stuff like i knew i knew that that happened but I just have no history of it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out of date with the comic stuff. <laughs> but that kind of interests me, honestly. Like some of the older stuff. I don't know. I'm staring at your giant cabinet of uh-huh. omnibuses behind you. Omniby buys, <laughs> <laughs> And there's a lot of it that I'm like, yeah, I'll never read that. Yeah, some so, of it. Some some of it sounds pretty interesting,
0: like that one. Yeah, this was pretty good. This is the '90s, '80s, and '90s. Pretty good. Pre-1985, it gets silver Suspect. age. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: little hokey. Here I am to save the exactly, day. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Number two. Mm-hmm. I have to talk about this because Jason was playing with this when I walked in with our cocktails. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something I got one of my kids for Christmas. It's called the Gicker. That's mm-hmm. G I I K E R slide puzzle. Mm-hmm. Okay. This thing is super cool. It I've is, been kind it is of pretty neat. obsessed with this thing. So it is a slide puzzle, but unlike your old slide puzzles from the 90s where the pieces get stuck, and they're kind of frustrating to, to mess with. This one is really fluid. So basically what it is, it's it's a recessed board, I guess, or recessed area where these pieces fit in. So you've got a, I guess what I'll call a one-by-one one square. Mm-hmm. Then you've got two-by-one rectangles, and then you've got this two-by-two two red square. And basically what you're trying to do is Well, you hit the power button, and depending on what level you're on, this little screen will tell you how to set the board up. It'll be like, put the two-by-ones here, put the one-by-ones here, put the two-by-two red in this area. And what you're trying to do is move things around to where you're navigating this red square to the bottom of the recessed cavity in this certain spot, and that will solve it. Mm-hmm. But to get it there, you have to move everything around and shuffle it. And it starts off really easy, and it gets really hard, really mm-hmm. Well, not really fast. Does it it's know easy. when you solve it based it on does. the magnetic stuff? So when the red square hits that spot, it knows you can cheat. You can just set it in there if you mm. wanted to. Oh, right? right. Yeah. But once it slides into place, it knows that you solved it, and then it will give you the next puzzle. Cool. And to pique your interest even more, Jason, I noticed this as I was playing it. You know, we've talked about The Witness on here a million times, the video game. Mm-hmm. You know how The Witness will play with these ideas Well, they'll show you, like, a little something, and then they'll expand on this kind of theme of, like, a puzzle? Mm-hmm. Yep. This is similar in that as I was doing it, I was seeing how it was taking the pattern it was teaching me and then expanding and expanding it.
3: Ah, interesting. Because
0: well, I would do, like, puzzle 69, and it would be hard, and then I would get 70, and I was like, oh, that was a lot simpler. But it was like...
3: You knew the moving trick.
0: Moving to it. Well, no, it was like moving to a new motif. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then 71 would huh. be a little harder, and 72 would be a little harder. Mm-hmm. It kind of has that feel to it. How many levels does it have, do you know? I have no idea.
1: I'm like 90-something right now. but Yeah, I picked it up and started on level 90, and it was, it was, it was hard. <laughs> I didn't solve it. Yeah. I recommend
0: it. I mean, like I said, telling the guys... It's fun to play just cuz the pieces glide, they have this like clacky mm-hmm. and they're magnetic, so they like mm-hmm. they like click into into position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fall out. It's just fun to mess around with. So, yeah. cool. It's cool. I'd recommend it. And then my last one, let's save the best for last here. So you know how I like to talk about the super weird indie video games that nobody's mm-hmm. heard of, kind of like we talk about here on board games. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm
1: going to talk about Super Mario Bros. Wonder uh yeah have you played it yet i haven't i haven't wanted to drop 60 bucks on it yet mm-hmm. but uh, i do want to try it
0: mm-hmm. yeah the it's the new iteration in the mario 2d classic style platformer ps5 and, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. the N- nintendo switch bill you know how oh. we love our switch here oh, wow okay i won't talk too long about because i've been talking for a while already but basically the hook here is is that every level in the game has something called a wonder flower in it okay Yep. So when you find this wonder flower in the level, how do I even explain it? You really can't because it does something different every time.
1: It just does something super trippy, and, yes, and weird. Yeah.
0: Super trippy and weird. You might turn into like a ball and you're rolling down a hill, and you have to do that, or you might start just yeah. free falling through the level, and it's like all these psychedelic colors and all this.
2: Turn into just, an elephant.
0: Yeah, crazy mm-hmm. stuff going on, right? You might be running through, like, a stampede of beasts or something. It's wild. It's like
2: a Disney movie on
0: acid. It it really is. It really is. But I I have to tell you, it's so cool. Like, every time I found one, I was just kind of excited to see what are they going to do with it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen next? Last thing I'll say about it, from a difficulty standpoint, it's not super hard. I finished the game with like 94 lives. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to brag. I'm saying that specifically for this next part because if you know what the Mario games are, it's the Special World, mm-hmm. right? So I went to the Special World and got to the last level in the Special World and proceeded to lose all 94 of my lives. <laughs> wow! In <laughs> one freaking level. Wow. Rebought another 100 and lost 50 more before I beat that thing. Wow! What? I almost quit. It was breaking me. It was so hard. <laughs> it was so hard.
2: <laughs> what What do you mean when you rebought? Did you have to pay for the?
0: No. So there are these like coins you find in the game, where oh, you can okay. turn
2: them into this little mushroom dude, and he'll like
0: give you more lives. Basically, got it. Had I not had them, I wouldn't have been able to hundred
1: percent it because would it would have was, just been like game over, game over. Like, that's, well, that seems odd for a Nintendo game.
0: the The special worlds are extra. Like I had beaten the game. Uh-huh. This is just like bonus stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it went from this is fun and enjoyable and pretty easy to soul crushingly
1: hard. I mean, <laughs> it was one of the Hollow hardest Knight, things I've ever done. Yeah.
0: It, oh, dude.
1: Did, did you ever play crazy. the uh, Super Mario Galaxy games? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they had those crazy levels. That, like, yep. There was one at the end of, I think it was Galaxy 2. It was like this huge, super long level, and you if you get hit, you're dead. <laughs> right. And it was. It, I beat it eventually, but it was super challenging, too. Yeah, I love that stuff in games. To a point, I'm never going to solve the path of pain in Hollow Knight. Right, no right. No chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't care.
0: Yeah. The, the very last phase in this last level, you're invisible. You can't see yourself. Oh, gosh. And you're jumping on these balloon things that are moving left across the screen, and you're bouncing on them mm-hmm. across this chasm, but you're invisible, Wow. you can't see yourself <laughs> except for like you might like go through a cloud and you kind of see like where you might be oh. oh my gosh wow and if you die it takes you back like three phases so you have to redo all that again wow sounds so, like Celeste it's brutal I was gonna say <laughs> but I did it that's pretty awesome yeah, yeah it, there's, there, there's so much more I could say but I feel like I've been talking already long enough already and I want to hear about Jason's stuff Specifically, something that he gave me for Christmas. Oh, yeah. House yeah.
1: Leaves. We'll circle back to that. Okay. Let's All circle right. back to that. Yep. Uh, so, part of the reason, I, I feel like I'm always to blame for our long hiatuses, but part of the reason why we were on break for so long is because two weeks prior to this one, we were traveling Yep. again. We were in Florida this time. Yep. I don't know if I've alluded to it on the show before or not, but I've been putting off this trip for a long time mainly because I grew up driving 18 hours every summer to Florida from Pennsylvania (laughs) and have many memories of that both good and bad but I don't know Florida's just never been my favorite place in the world no offense to anybody who lives in Florida but also more so than that it was because I knew that if we did the national parks in Florida, we were going to end up at Universal or Disney. Yep. <laughs> and I've been putting that off for as long as I possibly it's required. could. required, yeah. But it felt like it was time. Mm-hmm. And so we did the parks down there. So I guess I can start with that. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who's not familiar with it, there's three national parks in Florida. There's Biscayne, which is basically the water off the coast of Miami. So south of Miami. Uh, the park is like 95% water. Pretty much the only way you can see it is by boat. We did not do a boat there for reasons that I'll explain shortly. But uh, it, it was cooler than we thought. Uh, we went to the visitor center. Like they were doing some like fishing clinics mm, thing for the kids. we yeah, yeah. got to learn how to cast cast a line and all that. And you know, it was fine. It was good. So but, you did like
0: beach fishing, you mean?
1: Uh, I was like off of a dock or oh, off a okay. pier. Right. Didn't really expect much because we knew that we weren't going to do anything there. We are like, we're not chartering a boat. We're not snorkeling here. Which you can definitely do that, and it looks amazing. But after that, we went to the Everglades, which I was kind of excited about the Everglades. It's huge, and we got to do the airboat. Oh, thing.
0: yeah. That's oh, the only
2: boat. way to do it, right? Yeah, right. that was pretty cool. How many people on your airboat? Maybe like 20. Okay, it was one of
1: so the big ones. They're, yeah, they're pretty big. Mm. At least the one that we were on was pretty big. But, I mean, they move. Yeah. And the thing was moving <laughs> real fast. Um, we unfortunately did not see any alligators on our airboat. What? Which is, like, astounding because mm-hmm. they're everywhere was it time of year thing? Yeah, I don't know. But it was still a pretty cool experience yeah. just to get out there. And we did see alligators elsewhere. Did a little bit of hiking around. It's just a super unique In place. In the Everglades? Not a whole lot of hiking. Yeah, There's i was getting ready
0: whole- to say. It's yeah, this was kind a, of
1: not traversable, right? right? I mean, yeah, this small. was a weird trip for us cuz we're used to doing like 40-50 miles right, on right. one of these trips. And we probably did. If you don't include hiking around Universal Studios we we probably did like a grand total of like four miles on this mm-hmm. trip there there were a couple of short little hikes that were pretty cool you hike into like a mahogany hammock so the hammocks are these like little islands that get built up out of the plants and stuff that grow out of the water mm-hmm. like accumulate dirt and soil and stuff and become these little island things huh and so that was cool got to experience that saw an alligator in the wild and then we were off to the keys so oh, the yeah. last park in Florida is Dry Tortugas. Um, was which is the means, Keys with kids. Yeah, <laughs> <I was laughs> yeah.
2: Say, and that's like a six-hour drive just from Miami, right? Right. It's a long drive Miami. out there. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Keys are definitely a unique place for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Key West, I would say, is not super kid-friendly. Uh, like it was fine. We stayed on a little houseboat like, yeah. you know, on, in the bay, and the beaches are cool. Really, the drive out there was the
3: best part. There
1: was just so many places to stop along the way to get key lime pie or, you know, stop at a brewery or something, which our kids have learned to Mm -hmm. moan and complain about every time we want to stop. Just (laughs) accept (laughs) it, yeah. But yeah, that that was a cool day. For anybody who was on the northern east coast of the U.S. during that time frame, it was like frigid Arctic chill up here. Uh, And so we were down there in like 80 degrees and it was great. Dry Tortugas was actually pretty interesting so it's an island like 70 miles off the coast of key west so like if there was a road that kept going past key west you drive another 70 miles you hit Dry tortugas it's a tiny little island wow and it's most of the island is an old fort um (sighs) love that that they built and then they abandoned it because they built it was huge and it's so many bricks i forget how many bricks it is but they brought so many bricks out there and the fort is so big and so huge that it started to sink into the ocean Mm mm-hmm and then they eventually abandoned it. It was an attempt to like control maritime trade and stuff in the Gulf the of Mexico. The Gulf of Mexico, yeah, it makes um, sense. But it never actually ended up getting used for anything. But it was cool to get out there. We were supposed to take a ferry to get out there because that's the main way that you get there. We unfortunately looked at the ferry and went to book it and then didn't. And then when we went to book it, it was sold out for both of the days that we were there. No. So we were like, oh, shoot, we have this whole trip booked and we don't have a ferry ride. Water taxi? The only other way to get out there is via seaplane.
3: Oh,
0: that's right. You told me this, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is like twice as expensive as the ferry, <laughs> <laughs> which was a little bit difficult to swallow. But it was a pretty cool experience. It was oh, my daughter's dude. birthday. Mm-hmm. We didn't tell her that we were doing that. She got to fly co-pilot, oh, which sweet. Was, It's a good theme with the with the Yeah, tonight, right, right. You know? um, so that was pretty cool. I'd never done anything like that. We flew out there, got to traipse around out there for a little while and come back, so... That was fun. Universal, also. Maybe I'll save that for another episode we can chat about because I know you've been there, Chris. Numerous
3: times. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: there, there were some things there that I was like, man, this was not nearly as good as it's made out to be. And then there were some things there that were like, this is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, maybe I'll save that for the next episode. Okay. Talk well, about.
2: You have to compare notes because I went to the one in California and we'll have to uh, uh, so okay. see. I've never too. been to yeah, those.
3: Yeah.
1: It'll be so it be interesting to hear our experience with the first those. like major theme park. that we've done with our kids like we went to Bush Gardens one time a long long time ago Mm -hmm. so this is the first time we've done a big theme park experience with them and
2: it was cool to see them conquer their fear of roller coasters and yeah, things like that so I can imagine especially when you take them to those other parks and then then you take them to those and look at this park and like dad this is a real park what are you doing taking me to (laughs) 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 to this uh, not a real park yeah my boys are hitting their stride with
0: parks now they're just like all gung-ho want to ride everything and dude Biology and physiology is just catching up oh, with man, me, guys. Man. I am telling you <laughs> like inner something thing. is happening. We'll talk about the parks later. I just have to say this one story because it, I, it, it's sad in a way. I rode the Hulk ride.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I rode it five times. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I'll explain that in a second. I,
0: I have never blacked out on a ride before. Oh, wow. I almost did on wow. the Hulk. And I had ridden it before several times, actually. Mm-hmm. But this last year, when we went back, we just started hitting those G's going up, and the black started coming in oh, man. around my eyes, and I just about went out, and I told my boys, I was like, I'm done. I'm done for the day. I, I just cannot do it anymore.
1: Dude, I was worried about it, honestly, because it's been a while since I've been to a theme park. I love roller coasters, but yeah, the Hawk was kind of funny. I, we can talk about that, because... Uh, Gavin was, like, the most gung-ho. He was like, I'm totally going to do every roller coaster. Then we get in the line for the Hulk, and, like, I don't know. There's just, there's just a lot going on in the line. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of loud booming noises, yeah. and, like, every time the coaster launches, it's like this, like... Hulk smash! Yeah, this, is like, huge thing, and there's, like, these weird videos playing everywhere and, like, lightning bolts flashing everywhere because you're supposed to be going through the lab or whatever. And I think he got freaked out. We got, like, three-quarters of the way through the line, and he was just like... He, He's like, my stomach hurts. I don't, I don't think I should do it. And we're like, okay, whatever. So I end up riding because we hadn't ridden it yet. Mm-hmm. And the adults who were there were like, well, we waited in line. We're going to ride it. And some of the kids wanted to do it. So <laughs> so I rode it. And because Gavin was there, Jenny, who was with us, we did child swap. So yeah, like right. where one parent rides and then you swap and another parent rides. So, <laughs> so I ride first. I get off and they're going to let Jenny on. But she's like the only one from our group who hadn't ridden yet. And I was like. Hey, can I just, like, she's my wife. Can I just ride with her? Yeah, yeah. Because it's only the second time. And I was like, fine. I would love to ride this twice. So <laughs> I get right back on and ride it a second time. So later in the day, Gavin's like, I've changed my mind. I think I really do want to ride it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, buddy. I'll, I'll go ride it with you. So we go, and we basically walked onto it. Mm-hmm. Like, no line. So we get on. That's time number three. We get <laughs> off, and we're like, man, that took, like, no time at all. We should just do it again. <laughs> so I ride it a fourth time. <laughs> then, like, last minute of the day, we're about to leave the park, and Jude is like, I know I said I didn't want to ride it before, but I really want to try it. Can we do it?
3: <laughs> I was
1: like, okay, buddy. <laughs> so I took Jude on it, and he loved it. Like That's awesome. You, he's seven years old, but he crushed it. That's so.
0: impressive because I would say behind maybe the Velocicoaster – the Hulk might be the second scariest ride in the park. Velocicoaster is definitely the
1: worst. Dude, that ride is amazing.
0: It is nutso. Yeah. It is crazy. Super fast. Your head is like right above the water, basically. You're like going to corkscrews,
1: and it's. I guess wild. we're just going into it because that's really the only <laughs> other thing I was going to talk about. Honestly. We'll talk about House of Leaves next time. But dude, I mean. no, no, no. <laughs> we got time. But yeah, the Velocicoaster is amazing. It's probably the best roller coaster I've ever ridden. Yeah, it's, and it's I've wild. Ridden a lot of roller coasters the g-forces that you get going around the little corkscrew in the water it's like it sucks you out of your seat and you're like if this lap bar wasn't here yeah i would be in the lake (laughs) um so that was pretty cool it was we can call it that okay we had a good time it was good to get away for a little while good to be in some sunny weather yeah um but we're
2: back and our kids are back in school Thank heavens! Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh,
3: that's
2: too funny. I'm just sitting here thinking about how quickly you guys cut me off when I was talking about Iceland and how long you guys went on. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. right. Wait a Bill, minute. Something got, is totally not going. You, you right. have got got cut time off. in the world right <laughs> <all> now, Bill. No. <laughs> so, well, I mean, really, this is for for all of us because uh, I hadn't haven't done anything nearly as exciting as, as that. Uh, other than the fact that we you know we did our gaming retreat weekend, yes, a four four day four day weekend where yeah, I think last week. Last week, yeah, there was uh, seventeen of us. I guess seventeen of us spent the night there one night, but there is probably twenty something. Yeah. put people, guys, coming and going, and yeah. it was a gaming extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And is that what we're going to talk about on uh on yeah. So we're going to talk in detail about
0: uh, our board game getaway games we played, our experiences with them in our backstage. So backstage is something that is available to our Patreon backers. So you can back at the lowest level on our Patreon, get access to our backstage podcast. And we are going to talk about our gaming getaway. And specifically just to throw a little teaser out there and maybe to wet your whistle, or if you're on the fence and not sure if you want to check it out, Jason and I are going to talk about our experience with Nemesis.
1: <laughs> I swore I was never going to play this game, but then for something, I don't know if it's just the gaming weekend or whatever. I was yeah. like,
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, Bill taught us Nemesis, and we
2: played it. (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. Happened. It, yeah. it, it happened. did happen. Lots of things happened. There's lots to talk about. Yeah, I think they broke the universe by the time we were done with it. So. <laughs> yeah. um, but Bill, you should totally talk about you know more things about the weekend if you'd like your oh yeah experiences yeah. and stuff. well, I mean I'm going to throw out a, a list of games that I was wanting to play that I got to play. Um, oh, one, nice. of them, one of them was a new basket boss that Chris yeah, got. Yeah. The, uh, the all play uh, reprint. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The more and, politically correct version. Yeah, more politically politically correct. <laughs> And it has a, <laughs> a not racist version, yeah. A season modifier card, so something's just a little different about every season, which I think is different than the original version. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? But I think it adds something to it. So, yeah. So you you, you end I've up played the new basketball, and maybe that's like a maybe that's a new rule that I just ignored because I didn't know about it. Oh, uh, well, maybe. But it has a deck of cards in it. You have the same first season and the same last season, and then the ones in the middle are kind of randomized. So it could oh, that's be. Cool. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. Enjoyed that one. Played Captain Sonar, which I've been uh, dying to play for a really long time. So this blew my mind. You had never played it well, so, up to this point. yeah, uh, you know, like, seems like a
1: game that you would have owned like day one. I, this
2: is Bill all written all over it. it. Well, it yes, yeah, so this is kind of funny talking about this. Because before I came here, I heard Laris talking about it at work. And I bought this game before I ever came to this group at all. And that was an <laughs> effect of you know, kind of the Chris Alley, Jason effect on me. That you know, I, I ended up buying it thinking I, I wanted to. I did get it out on the table with my family, but they didn't... They just didn't get it, and yeah. it was just like a, it was a horrible experience for all of them. So that's I don't really count that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so my sister still calls it the yelling game.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's like she's fire geez, the tornadoes, right. <laughs> right? So what you didn't do?
1: Radar, radar, right,
2: right. Wait, <laughs> surfacing, radar. surfacing. Wait, that's not working. <laughs> Come on, give me a firing solution. What's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, so they will never play it. Again. Yeah, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more afterwards. But it was—I have to say—it's. It's one of these games that I will put in the same category as Betrayal of House in the Hill, and yeah. that it's a little fiddly. Things have to kind sure. of go right, and sometimes there's a level of frustration that just I think was going to come. Both games no need matter. to
0: be honest, honest, and, uh, like accountable. And account- those are perfect words. Yeah, yeah. like there has mm-hmm. to be like an understanding before we start. Like if we say certain things. Everybody has to stop, right. you know. There's that, like temptation to continue to move, and you're trying to fire on somebody, yeah. and it can get kind of unwieldy yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that certainly happened.
2: Castles of Burgundy was one we played. Oh, baby, that was really good. And Chris My has got tricked out version. Exactly. Chris is way over the top. It is way over the top. <laughs> An you know, it's of pretty, it. pretty funny. I, I feel like <laughs> most of the time I'm kind of immune to that kind of production that it's going to change the experience of the game for me. And I will say. Having the, those quality pieces mm-hmm. really to me changed the experience of I Totally play. agree. It, it, and you had never played the Aaliyah version, right? With the no, cardboard tiles, total
0: crap. I mean, this is one where it's it, expensive. Though, yes, it is. How much
1: did the experience improve for you, Bill? I have since to, you don't know, I don't what know. It was like but, not playing with those.
2: I think I was influenced by Chris. So I I'm had like, the
1: best time making fun of Chris for his <laughs> overly lavish dude, version. Jason of walked
0: Sorry. into the gaming weekend the day after everybody else, and. He walked over to our table and literally for five minutes, the first thing out of his mouth was him just
1: poo pooing all over
0: my fancy <laughs> capsules of burgundy edition.
1: He's like, like, oh, I'm glad you guys. Go are, away. I'm, I'm glad you guys are done with the game. I'll see you in an hour once you're done cleaning it up.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, the last one I'll, I'll mention is uh, <laughs> putting
1: away all your plastic minis.
2: <laughs> it was awesome, Chris. It was awesome. <laughs> um, heat pedal of the metal. Oh um, my! Yeah, played that a couple times, and it was it was it was a fun experience. To so. Me.
0: I was going to talk about this some backstage, but since Jason and I talked forever, you should get a chance to talk forever. Because I have thoughts on this game. What did you think about Heat? You know... Because it's, it's hot right now. I it mean, is hot People right now. think Heat's the greatest uh-huh. thing ever. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: It, <laughs> is hot, hot, hot. it is hot. I mean, I had a fun time playing it. Made. <clears throat> maybe partly because the people I was playing with, like totally. I with the mic, I mean, they were they were just into it and Screaming whatever. And yelling, yeah. Right. From a gameplay point of view, it is interesting that it has designed into it catch-up mechanisms. Totally. So that what no matter kind of wherever you are, you can be in last place in one turn and be in first place in the next turn. And it's kind of meant to be that way a little well, bit. Almost as if the first lap... Doesn't matter? ...is meaningless. <laughs> right. It could be. Yeah. It could be. But I, I do feel like... I think there is like holding back your five card and playing it at the right time and some other things that there yeah. there can be some strategy to it. I don't think it's necessarily super deep, but it was still it was still to me just fun.
0: Yeah, I think it hit the nail on the head head. I would agree. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that had to do with who we were playing with and our group mm-hmm. just getting into it and mm-hmm. hooting and hollering. And I think that's yep. the point. Sometimes we've been criticized in the past for trying to deconstruct games too much and just miss inside of the fun. And I get that. I mean, maybe mm. Ivy Caesar would be an example of that. Like, just enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. I get that. But as a reviewer, I can't help but not look at the mechanisms. And while it does have that kind of fun factor of it feels like a race mm-hmm. and that come from behind thing, I described it when we, when we played it as Mario Kart, the board mm-hmm. game. Yeah, And I don't say that as a good thing. I hate Mario Kart, mostly because if you've played Mario Kart, you know what Mario Kart does. Mm-hmm. When you're in the lead, you, you get, get exactly banana pills and crap. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the back, you get the spiky purple shell and the red shells so that you catch up, right? Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like it negates everything good that you've done to be in first, right? And I get that. The point of that, I guess, is to make it feel close and let people feel like they're in it. But, again, I come back to why am I playing it if I'm being punished for doing well, right? And so the people in being in the back is almost a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because those catch-up mechanisms are so built in. So basically what I'm saying is it was fun, but that's kind of where it stops for me. I would give it a four on our scale. I I just Mm. don't think it's great
2: because that mechanism does not appeal to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think what didn't happen in the game that I played with you that did happen in the last game is there is some strategy in getting into those curves and getting them on the other side of them so you can use your fast cards sure, and you don't spin out. Right, Uh, when you're coming to the finish line of the final lap, you mean. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, the first
0: lap or two, why are we even doing it? There are two laps. Yeah, there's two laps, yeah. It just feels like an exercise and just... You know what I mean? Like, well, Nothing was, that happens in the first life is really going to matter, I think. Once. I don't know.
2: There were some people that – we got our packs separated by a lot. So some of it is if you stay with the pack. So you didn't catch up to them? No, well, like Laris. We had two people that ended up in a second pack that was behind so us. So they just got separated. They got separated okay. somehow. Yeah. So don't know exactly how that happened, but it happened. Yeah,
0: and then maybe I need to play it more for sure. Mm. I mean, again, these are
2: preliminary thoughts, I guess. But Yeah. So I'd have five, I'd own it. So what uh, would you give it? Between a four and a five. I mean, yeah. I have to. I, I, I need more plays to know for sure. To too. So yeah. But uh, yeah, name. it's not a brain burner for sure.
1: Okay. Well, if you want to hear more details about <laughs> other games that we played, and maybe some more discussion about Heat and or Nemesis, <laughs> and or Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, <laughs>
0: oh,
2: and hear gosh. how much Chris is wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tune into hey, our, hey, you our know backstage what thoughts. Yeah. Though? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Jason really, really wants to talk about House of Leaves. Yeah. But I'm not going to let him. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm real okay. sad. I, I, I'm i very curious to hear your thoughts. Ah, dude, I have so many thoughts about this book. So if y'all listened to the last episode, Jason, for Christmas, bought me House of Leaves. And bought is,
1: myself House of Leaves because I hadn't read it either. Okay. Yeah.
0: Which is this trippy fever dream of a book of which I have many 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 thoughts which is why i'm going to stop us because our banter will be 50 minutes long if we don't but that
1: yeah, sounds like i a wish better... i
0: knew what you thought about it because i there are so many things in my head about this book it's fascinating we can yeah. say that
1: well that's that's a better sign than i expected because when i finished it i was like oh man based on what chris has said he's gonna absolutely hate this book, <laughs> and maybe you do and that's fine um I, but I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. About
0: I'll it. give you a little teaser. I'm not going to go into it, but I will say this is one of those books that, you know, I like books and movies and stories that give me closure and kind of tell me what it all means. I don't really like books or stories that at the end it's like, well, what do you think it meant? You know what I mean? And this that's ha- what this, this that. is. <laughs> that, that is what this is. But I was telling Bill before he got here, Jason, This book will be different things to different people. In my experience as a doctor and a medical professional, I think this book landed differently for me, just given what I know about medical things that make me wonder what this book is actually about. And I think it'll be about
1: different things to different people. Interesting. But Now now we got to do it. (laughs) We can't do it. No, I'm very curious because I have some thoughts too. I, I had to do a little bit of research online to kind of get some thoughts because I had some theories and some ideas and I, was, I, w- I wanted to kind of hear what yeah. some other people thought. And it definitely is. It's like there is no definitive answer to yeah. what the book is actually about. <laughs> if um, it's about anything. Yeah, which is clever and interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
0: There are a lot of books, it has a theme or a moral or a story or a lesson. I don't know if this is that. This is an experience, I think. You know what I mean?
1: But yeah, there is no central. This is the thing that it's about. And yeah. You, and you walk away understanding it. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times that bothers me too. And, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it more. <laughs> yeah, I don't sorry. know when we're going to do that because we- our next episode is with a guest, right? Uh, we can talk about it then. All right. right, we'll see. Leave the people one
0: more. You know. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Well, then if we're not going to talk about it, then talk about the cocktail. All right, I will do that. So as mentioned, we are doing
0: games with a flight theme tonight. And tonight for the guys, I made them a Cran Cosmo. So a Cosmopolitan Mm -hmm. is a pretty classic drink. It calls for vodka by definition, but Mm -hmm. this particular drink actually has aviation gin. So if you go on aviation's website, they have a whole litany of recipes for different cocktails using mm-hmm. their gin and this is one of them the crayon cosmo and i had made a cosmopolitan on here mm-hmm. which is a drink that i actually kind of like and so i made it for the guy so mm-hmm. so i had one and a half ounces of gin not vodka or they could use vodka again that's the classic way to do it one ounce of cranberry juice half an ounce of lime juice and then half an ounce of triple sec or Cointreau or whatever
1: so it's aviation gin. It's not an aviation cocktail.
0: No, no. It's not an aviation cocktail because I don't have the purple liqueur. Ah, um, uh, okay. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? It's, well, it's
1: aviation Pura, cocktail, Pura-Sau, is, Pura-Sau, right?
3: N-
0: yeah, no. It's it's some sort of violet liqueur. Oh, uh, okay. It gives it a purple look, and it's hard to find. Mm. So I didn't make that one.
1: Unacceptable. I might have
0: it. Unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about it, though.
2: <laughs> it's delicious. Thank you, Bill.
0: Thank you. So quickly before we transition out of here, real quick, we want to talk about our two in a new series. This is the okay. brainchild of Bill Arney. Oh yeah. So we'll if you say, don't like it, you can blame him. Absolutely, absolutely do blame but, me.
2: Bill, why did you want to do this? Because your awesome business model of, <laughs> of, of reviewing games that people can't get anywhere, can't find, can't see. So I don't know. I just thought sometimes to rotate in something that is, is kind of available and but the is people. It well so yeah, yeah this one I guess isn't really available. Um but I don't know, kind of to give people a benchmark of things that they might have played to kind of help align them to our preferences and yeah. say oh yeah, you know, I kind of like things that Chris likes or I like things that Jason's likes and give it a number so that when we do the other ones that are more obscure that there's a comparison point. Yeah. And then if if they also hear about it and they like it, you know, get it.
1: Yeah. It's a good idea, Bill.
2: I agree. I think there's some
0: value because, I mean, the hobby evolves, right? Mm -hmm. Video games have evolved. Lots of these different game-type media things have evolved. And, I mean, if you look at video games, there are some games that are timeless, Mm -hmm. like Mega Man, right? Right. Like, I'll still play Mega Man today. Mm -hmm. But then there are other games that I used to really like that I would play now, and I'm like, this is not as good as I remember, you know? Because it's improved in a lot of ways, and I think there's value in Looking at modern designs Mm -hmm. and comparing them to games we normally review on here, which are usually a little older, 10, 15, 20 years older, does it still hold up? Mm -hmm. Is the newer stuff really better? Sometimes it is. Mm -hmm.
2: Sometimes it's not, right? Yeah. So Mm I have an example for this exact case because we're doing aviation games tonight. My daughter's boyfriend is just 110% in aviation. He can listen to a jet go over and tell you what it is, and he will also look at the flight path and tell you what – airport is coming from and what he's going to and he'll be looking at his phone and playing an airplane game that is real like an air traffic controller thing i think so it's just it's kind of funny so i've gotten some board games for him to play that are they're aviation themed mm-hmm. and he's not necessarily that much of a board game so you know to me i would listen to this podcast to say yeah. hey of these board games what should i get to play with this guy because totally. he's totally about that thing so. yeah yeah mm-hmm. And one more quick thing we'll say,
0: because we will do this again in the future. This isn't going to be like every other episode, but mm-hmm. you know, every few we'll try to do this. And when we say "new," mm-hmm. <laughs> quote unquote, it might be new, like this when we're reviewing Sky Team, which mm-hmm. is a totally new game. It's rocketed up the BGG ring. It's like in the top 500. Now it's crazy. It's just in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. But sometimes new might just mean popular,
3: right? Top one. It thousand. may not
0: be you're right top 100 200 300 it might not be new it mm-hmm. might just be a, a well-known game but right two and a new just
1: sounds cool so that's why we went with it so <laughs> <laughs> what do you think jason i'm excited to try it i think it's a good way to vary up our format every now and again without completely departing from what we're good at what and, we are and what yeah. our what our niche is right mm-hmm. so totally agree so yeah it won't be all the time but every once in a while it's good to switch things up a little bit Yep, so. awesome Cool. And we do always complain around here that we never play anything new. So it's <laughs> all right. Well, Bill true. always complains. This is our excuse <laughs> to play something new every once in a while. True.
2: And I mean, I look forward to hearing or seeing what people say in the Discord channel or, yeah. or wherever they, they give feedback and see what people think because it's certainly something you don't have to keep doing. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you think.
1: <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about House of Leaves. We're Let's not going games. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Spent all afternoon reading it too, and I was ready to go. I'll leave you in suspense.
1: Ah, the 70s. Leisure suits, bell bottom pants, Charlie's Angels, Star Wars, the first one, Battlestar Galactica, the first one. There were lots of memorable moments in the 70s. There's one event that shaped our future that many people do not remember, but should. The deregulation of the U.S. airline industry. The year is 1979. You're an executive of one of five new airlines. After five years of lobbying to be free of government control of air routes and pricing, airlines begin scrambling to take advantage of the unprecedented growth in the industry. Air travel will no longer be only for business travelers and special occasions. Cheap fares mean that everyone can afford to fly. Who knows where the demand will be strongest? Will it be the Northeast or on the West Coast? What about the Midwest and Southeast? Maybe even Cleveland? Each turn, new demands in the form of passengers will appear on the board. Some of this demand you can predict, but the rest? Your competitors have research departments too. They might even have computers. The wave of new passengers increases every turn. Will you invest in new gates in the right airports? You can even try to be the dominant player in a region. Battle against your opponents for supremacy in this brave new world where there's nothing but sunshine,
2: profits, and blue skies. Ah, wow. I, I remember it like it was yesterday.
0: <laughs> they might have computers. <laughs> They're using that, punch cards, though. Oh, no.
1: That might be one of the best flavor texts we've had on here. Totally. Earth. That was a and good considering one. what this game looks like, that's remarkable. It's
0: so ironic. It really is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Let's talk about Blue Skies. Blue Skies. This was published in 2020. Yeah, not Rio. that old. Yeah. It was, it was way newer than I expected it to yeah. be. Published by Rio Grande Games. Rio Grande? Rio Grande. Rio Grande Games. i going to say that right I now. mean, that's what I say. Yeah. Designed by Joseph Huber. His only other majorly notable design that I know of is Caravan, Caravan. which has been on my list of games yeah. that I want to play for a long time. Yeah, we need to review this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, BGG rank currently seven thousand nine hundred and thirty-seven. Cool. Mm. It's it's up there, but it's not as there. high as some of the ones we've done. <laughs> not a new. <laughs> Definitely not the new one on the list. All right. So blue skies oh, is. Can I, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, yes, Chris. What would you like to say? <laughs> it just feels so good to do that again <laughs> after all these weeks. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this was recommended to us by one of our BGG guild members to review. Oh yeah, Mister Fix Simmons on BGG said that this would be a good one for us to review. He mentioned it on our Jim Miner list on BGG of yeah, yeah. games that we should review. So, All thank right. you, Mister Fix Simmons, for the recommendation. Absolutely. All right.
1: Well, Blue Skies is sort of like a Cube Rails ish. <laughs> Style game, maybe? Maybe. Maybe? (laughs) Looks like it, because there's lots of cubes. (laughs) Looks like it. Don't think it is. But But it's about managing an airline. So players are adding gates for their airline company to various airports to gather passengers and potentially gain an area control foothold in the various geographical regions of the United States. Yep. The game board looks like a spreadsheet. (laughs) It, it has sixty different airports printed on it, <laughs> each of which has four gate spaces and then a grid, a square grid of passenger cube spaces underneath the gates. Yeah. Excel spreadsheet. I was gonna say it kind of t- looks like, and, and maybe this is what they were going for. It kind
2: of looks like the the arrivals board in an airport. That's right? exactly what I was gonna. I have that in my notes here to say arrivals <laughs> departure board. And to yeah. me, it kind of works a little bit, but uh. yeah, I mean, yeah, like the
1: red cubes, the green cubes, it kind of it kind of mm-hmm. looks. I, you know, I can see maybe what they were going for, but it does look like a spreadsheet. Each airport, each of the 60 airports, is color-coded according to its region, with each region being worth some number of points for the players with the most and second-most influence in that region at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Each airport also has an influence value printed on it, and this is the influence awarded to a player for each gate that they possess at that airport. The game begins by preceding the board with a bunch of passengers and gates. Cubes. So, Cubes. A deck of cards where each card has one of the 60 airports on it is used to determine where passenger cubes are going to be placed during this preceding phase. With the number of cards used depends on the number of players who are playing the game. There's an important note here about the deck. The number of cards in the deck for each airport varies. So, for example, big airports like Atlanta might have five cards in the deck, whereas a smaller airport like Cincinnati or Cleveland may only have one. Players also at this time get to add a few of their gates on the board i'm not going to go into the details of all that so let's talk about what it means to add passenger cubes to an airport because that's what's happening during that preceding phase and this is important because it doesn't just happen during the preceding but it happens all throughout the game so when an airport gets passengers added to it what that means is each of the four gate spaces in an airport has a bunch of grid spaces underneath it where cubes can be placed And when you add cubes to an airport, these cubes are drawn from a bag containing a lot of red cubes and a few green cubes. So if you draw a red cube, that's it. You're done. You place that red cube on that airport, and you move on. If a green cube is drawn, you draw another cube. If it's a red cube, you stop. If it's a green cube, you keep going, and so on and so forth. Until you draw a red cube, you just keep drawing. But remember, there's a lot more red cubes than there are green. Many, many more, yeah. It's like four to one, I think. Yeah. Once placed on a board, however, there are no difference between the red and the green cubes. So, just keep that in mind. Cubes are added to an airport, starting with the leftmost occupied gate, and then you move to the right. So, this is kind of a weird process. I'll do my best to explain it. Gates can have an unlimited number of cubes. And remember, a gate is like each player has a token, and they can place their token on a gate. I'll get more into that in a little bit. But, you only place cubes on occupied gates. Yep and they fill in from left to right. Any one gate can have as many cubes. There's no limit to the number of cubes that can be on a gate. However, cubes will always be as evenly distributed as possible across gates that are occupied. Mm -hmm. So as an example, let's say three cubes are placed onto an airport and there's only one person who has a gate there. Yeah. All three of those cubes go on that one gate. That player has all three of those passengers. Because they're the only airline. If another cube was added to that, airport they would continue to pile on that on top of that gate because they're the only airline there it's the only option however if another gate is placed either by the same player or another player the cubes get distributed immediately and divided between those two gates so those three cubes two of them would go to the first gate and one would go to the second gate so whenever there's an uneven number the cubes get distributed like the gates to the left get favored the people who place there first, right. And I don't like you said this, but there's four gates per airport. Yeah, so there're four gates per airport. Mm-hmm. So in that example where there's two two people have gates and there's three cubes, it's two and one. If another cube were to be added, it would be added to the second gate, right. If another cube was added, it would go to the first gate and so on and so forth. If a third gate was added, all the cubes immediately shuffle again and they get equally distributed as much as possible across yeah. that. It's a queue. It's a queuing game, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, it,
0: you're doing a great job. I'm not trying to help you. <laughs> no, it's just it's a fine. weird one to explain. The way I think of it is the cubes are people who are lining up yeah, at if, gates. Yeah, and if another line, yeah, line, of line, line. becomes
1: available, they're going to split up. and They're going to go in the shorter line, right? Yeah. It's, queued, it's queuing, right? Yeah. So what's the point of all of this then, <laughs> right? So passengers are lining up at gates. What does this mean? So players will score one victory point for every passenger they have sitting at one of their own gates at the end of every round of the game. So at the end of every round, you're going to tally up the number of passengers you have sitting at all of your gates across all of the airports. And that is the number of points you will score for that round. And remember that number can go up and down depending on whether other people build gates in your airport and split up your passengers or whether more passengers get added to your gates so on and so forth. So this is fluctuating throughout the game. So with all that setup aside, because I haven't actually talked about how you play the game at all (laughs) yet, how do you actually play the game? It's pretty simple. It really really. is. So on a player's turn, they're going to place gates out on the board. So each gate space in an airport, and remember there's four spaces in each airport, has a number printed on it that indicates its cost, with earlier gates, the ones to the left, costing less than the Mm -hmm. gates to the right. So on a player's turn, they can place new gates, any number of gates, any set of airports. You can put multiple gates on the same airport, doesn't matter, so long as the total cost of those gates in any given turn is six or less. Yep. Once each player has a chance to do this, so we go around the whole table, everybody has a chance to spend their six points to place their gates out. Once we do that, every player has a chance to play a single card from their hand of cards so each player will have a hand of the airport cards. and Three cards. Not a big hand. Yeah, not a big hand. Which matters. Each yeah. player will secretly choose a card, play it face down, they all get revealed, and cubes get added to those airports. Yep. Based on the way that I explained earlier. Once we do that, then a number of cards equal to the number of players, I think, right? Yes. Will then be randomly flipped off the top of the deck, yep. and those airports will receive cubes, yep. just like I described before. After that, players retally their passengers, score victory points equal to their total number of passengers. They get a new card to replace the one that they just played, and then we do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And we keep doing that over and over again. There are a couple other minor rules added to all that, like local airlines, the ability to buy them out, a once-per-game action that players have that they can choose to use or not, and a government assistance catch-up mechanism thing. I'm not going to go into the details of those. They might, but but they might come they're up. They're fairly minor, and I'm sure we'll talk about that.
2: Yeah. Not minor, but okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the game ends at the end of the round in which any player crosses 100 points yeah. or when a player runs out of gates. There is end-of-game scoring here. Remember the area control aspect? It matters. So, so every time you place a gate into an airport, that gate has an influence value. It's printed on the airport. Bigger airports like Atlanta have more influence than others. And whoever has the most and the second-most influence in a colored region will score some number of victory points, depending on the region. And you total up victory points, and whoever has the most, like usual, wins.
3: So mm-hmm.
1: That is essentially how you play yeah. Blue Skies. <laughs> good job, man. It was good. <laughs> That's a tough
2: one. A it was a That's why I was, gave it to you. What? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> one thing I'll say is, just to denote, and, you, and you're kind of saying it all along, Victory points don't accumulate over time. It is a floating mechanism, and I think you said it a couple times, but i just just say it again, that between each turn, you look at the board, see what airports you have, count up your points, and like you said, your victory point total will go up and down for what happened on that last turn. So the very end game is just looking at the board and seeing what victory points that you have. They they do
1: accumulate round to round, but your amount that you could score each round fluctuates up and down yes so if you
0: end round one i we we should spend a second here because this really matters i think when we start talking about in-game scoring majorities at the end of round one if you're sitting on 11 points you score 11 Mm -hmm. at the end of round two if you're sitting on 15 your total is not 15 it's 11 plus 15 26 yes it's what you had in the first round added to where you're now sitting in the second round so it like compounds on
2: itself it does compound my fault
0: you're good you're good
2: right with the regional coming in on the last round correct Yep. all right so
1: all that said I talked about it a little bit during the rules explanation but like when you saw this game for the first time what did you think what was your initial impression of it sitting on the table
2: well it's funny because we did kind of joke about it at the beginning it does look really pretty bland and kind (laughs) of lifeless when you do it but to me as I played it I did feel like this kind of works because it does look like a a rival departure board. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing people line up, and you just kind of get it on why they chose the design choice. However, certainly the first impression impact is like, wow, we are playing a spreadsheet for sure. Because it looks like somebody took a 2 by 2 board, put the bold lines around it on a table in an Excel spreadsheet, and just bolded it, and... That's what they printed out on our on our board here. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I I would agree.
1: I would say (laughs) it's funny because I know why they did the red cubes and the green cubes. Like they meant red cube means stop drawing and green cube means draw more. But Mm -hmm. like there are so many more red cubes, it's like Mm. every flight is delayed. Like (laughs) 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 there should have been more green cubes than red cubes. Otherwise, we're just bad airline. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Bill.
0: This game. It will be so easy just to dismiss this game out of hand by how it looks on the table. I mean, especially how games are now and the way the games look today. Although this is not an old game, but just modern designs in general. This game looks boring. Mm-hmm. It looks boring. Does that mean it's bad? I don't know. What I'm going to save my thoughts on that. But I will tell you, your first impressions of it will be like, pass. Right, it it just does not look like something that you would probably want to try and that probably works against it the second thing I think at least ran through my head and I know it ran through Jason's because he said it when he walked in to play it for the first time and he had never played it before and didn't know how it worked he's like this looks complicated Mm
3: -hmm.
0: it looks complicated it does when I looked at it the first time I was like is this a stock game it almost looks like you're dealing with charters and stocks like Mm -hmm. in a train game like you said Jason but in actuality and i will i will say this definitively at least in my opinion this game is really simple Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's easy to win but just understanding how it works this game is not complicated at all and if everybody knows it this game plays pretty quickly yeah honestly it it is not a long game but it does not look like that it looks long dry and complicated i'll agree with that
1: cool well, let's talk about the gameplay. Like, what yeah. what did you guys like about the gameplay? What stood out to you?
2: I liked the scoring mechanisms. I liked the, like the different sizes of airports, having Atlanta and New York and Chicago out there, and and knowing they had more cards in the deck and more opportunity yeah. for scoring. And I, I feel like they did a, a, a pretty good job on the cost, especially given that all of us have the same same number of points that we can spend every time, which I, I love that part of it. So we're all in the same boat as far as making a strategic choice at the beginning. And then it comes down to, am I going to go for the big airport or am I going to get you know six small one-point airports in the Midwest or whatever? Right. So, so I, I like that part. Yeah, I totally agree. I think
0: this game really just nailed the two competing scoring parameters really well. There's this immediate scoring, which is not trivial. And again, that's Mm -hmm. why I think it was important for us to spend a little time after your rules explanation Mm -hmm. to explain the scoring and understanding that the scoring compounds on itself. Mm -hmm. And that increasing your income each round is a powerful scoring mechanism because it just adds to itself. Mm -hmm. Right, But at the same time, that end-of-game regional scoring... Is pretty huge, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it can definitely make a difference. Now, having said that, I don't think, in my opinion, I would be interested to hear what y'all think, in my opinion, I don't think that the regional scoring is dominant. I think you can't ignore it, but I think it is a pretty equal balance of, well, do I place this gate on this airport that doesn't really help me right now there are no cubes on it yet, or maybe I'm not even scoring. Maybe I don't have a card in my hand that I can play that will add to that airport to score me points right now, but it gives me a little bit more influence in this region that I'm trying to win for in-game scoring. Right. Or Bill's sitting on that airline or that airport that's got four cubes on it. He's scoring four points every round. I'm going to jump on there and chop his points in half. he gets mm-hmm. two, I get two. Mm-hmm. More of like a aggressive offensive move. But maybe that airport is in a region that I haven't been investing in at all. Right. Yep. For end game scoring, it doesn't do anything for me. But it's points now, and I'm trying to cut into Bill's point yep. game, mm-hmm. right? Right. Not to mention, you're holding these cards in your hand, and it's really hard to put a gate somewhere that doesn't match a card that you're holding in your hand. And sometimes you will do that.
1: Because it might not. Because ideally, you want to play, play a gate and then be able to play a card on top of it to, yes. to ensure that at least some customers end up there, the yes. passengers. Ideal
0: right? situation is great. I, I want to be in Phoenix in that southwest region. I place a gate in Phoenix, and mm-hmm. I play a card to add passengers to Phoenix. That's great. But that doesn't happen every time. In fact, most of the time it doesn't go that way. Mm-hmm. You can always play a gate somewhere where you're going to play a card, but the point I'm making is, do you want to play a gate on that airport? Does it help you in the long run? Right, And so I just found that balance of scoring points now versus trying to set up majorities
2: at the end of the game. I just really enjoyed that personally. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. So it's funny that you, you tossed out the the public assistance as not important. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't mean not important in that we shouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's more of I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time in the rules oh, explanation yeah, yeah. no, like, no, no. bogging people down with it. But, right, right. But you should definitely talk about it
2: because it is important from a game okay. perspective. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure how to explain it right. So to correct me if I'm wrong, but like maybe a, a quarter or a third the way through the game. 30 points. 30 for, points. As soon as somebody reaches 30 points. Yeah. 30 points. You pause, and you look at everybody on the scoreboard, and for every three points that you're behind, is that correct? Mm -hmm, You get to place a passenger in one of your airports that are out there. Well, you get to draw passengers, so it could be more than one. It could be more than one, right, right, right. So, to me, that was a huge swing sometimes if you're way ahead, and especially depending on your distribution, of airports that you had out like if you got a bunch of little airports that you were never gonna have to compete with anybody with or you mm-hmm. know some other things i think it's a viable strategy to make sure that you might be way behind up until the public assistance to i don't know to hmm. or, or or some level of behind not necessarily like way by intentionally behind. sandbagging to- i think so i don't know because i feel like there were some times that i was pretty far ahead And public assistance just put everybody neck and neck. And I think there was the one where Jason went with a strategy of having lots of little airports that ended up paying off really well for him in the end. And part of it was the public assistance. Yeah. Yeah. I I like it as a catch-up mechanism
1: mainly because it's a one-time deal and you know it's coming. Yeah, Like you all were talking about heat. I didn't actually play heat. But it's not like this continual every round the person in last gets a blue shell. Right, right, right. right. It's like everybody knows this is going to happen. Everybody can plan for it. Yeah. Right. And it's a one time deal. True. And you either get in on it or you don't, mm-hmm. or you take the risk of, like, well, I'm just going to be in the lead and I'm going to know that I have the lead and hold it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of liked it, but I also benefited from it most of the time that we played because I was <laughs> never in the lead. I think that raises an interesting point, though, because you were mentioning I was in a whole bunch of small airports. That was one of the things I was going to point to. Like, I thought it was an interesting trade off in the game. Yeah, right. Which is a lot of area control games, but like I feel like this game does a decent job of giving you that range of motion of like, do I place my gates into these airports that that have a really high influence value, or there are cer- there are certain airports that influence more than one region? Right? Yeah. Do I go for these ones that are going to be super competitive and multiple people are going to be there, or do I do the spray and pray method and like go into all these tiny little airports that? Only have one card in the one whole card, deck, yeah. Right? And may never get
0: drawn. Or they yeah. might get drawn, and a person might just hold them in their hand and never play
1: them. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I thought that was a cool additional thing. It's not rare in area control, but I felt like it did a decent job yeah. of balancing that out. Yeah, I totally
0: agree. I love that card play of, yeah, there are five Atlanta cards in the deck, and everybody's fighting over Atlanta, you know, because... We know the cubes are coming, but I might have two Atlanta cards in my hand. Mm-hmm. And one thing that happens when government assistance hits is you can discard your cards and draw new ones. And so right. all those cards that people were counting on coming up, I've kind of taken them out of circulation by just not playing them, right? Right. There are just a, there's a lot of little subtle things you can do in this game mm-hmm. to mess with each other. Right. And the game is more confrontational than you might realize. Yeah, like, absolutely. Just the stealing of each other's points by placing on gates where somebody else is and the fighting over those majorities, mm-hmm. it gets pretty vicious. It it's, does. Especially at the end. There, Basically what I'm saying is there's a lot of direct player interaction in this game.
2: Yeah, there you know, is.
1: There's a lot. Well, Maybe transitioning into cons. If I have one primary con about this game is that we said that it looks like a spreadsheet, and that's true. And they did do a good job of giving you the little tracker board on your own personal board that you theoretically can track how many passengers are in front of your gates, and you just slide your thing up or you slide your thing down whenever something changes on the board. But we were constantly double-checking that marker and constantly being like, oh, I was wrong. I actually have this number, Mm -hmm. not the number that I thought I had on my Mm -hmm. tracker. So you're continually... Re evaluating all 60 of these airports and trying to scan for all your gates, which are a little hard to see because of those tiny little cardboard chits. Mm -hmm. And then, in addition to that, not just that math, but on top of that, you're trying to do this influence scoring constantly. Mm -hmm. And not just for you, but for everybody else who's in that region. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, well, I have this gate, I have one, two gates here, (laughs) and that one's worth five, and that one's worth three, and that one's worth two, so I have 10 and Bill has this one here and Mm -hmm. that one there and that one there so he's got 11 I think if I add it right and like you're doing that across seven different regions Mm -hmm. on the board 60 different airports all that have different influence values like there's just a lot of like it's not hard math no Mm -hmm. but it's a little difficult to see and you're doing it constantly yeah every time a new cube goes on the board or a new gate goes on the board all the math changes Mm -hmm. yeah that gets tiresome and it leads to the inevitable. I thought you were going to mention this as well. The inevitable
0: final turn, mm-hmm. min maxing. Ah, uh, yeah. Where mm-hmm. on your last turn you're just counting out what my most logical play is, which can be annoying and just be like, oh my god, just, just, just do just something. Just put a gate down on the board. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have any other negatives other than that because that's really kind of the game. That was really mine too. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Ready for final thoughts? I'm ready. I think so. Here we go. Okay. Go for it, Bill. All right. So did pick this up at Origins. I did pick it up for John and Sarah. and uh, We played it a couple times at the beach one time, and we enjoyed our plays of it because we, we played it more than once. Um, <laughs> I do feel like this game has some synergies in it. When you're building your airports and your gates, you can do defensive moves. There's way more offense to this game that it really looks like totally. uh, at first glance. It was easy to teach. It's probably sounded more complicated in uh, Jason's explanation than it really is. Once yeah. you're looking at the board, but I mean, to me, I feel like it's a, kind of a good game for people who are moving past, you know, like Carcassonne or Seven yeah. Wonders. It's yeah. another kind of uh, a next step, step game. Yeah, next step game. That's this uh, of a similar weight, that's mm-hmm. just different. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of was waffling between a three and a four, just kind of from replayability point of view. Some of it has to do with the math. Some of it is is it going to feel like samey over a long period of time? So I think I'm going to go with a three, although I I don't think I would fight much about playing it again. I think there's there's some strategy in here, and I think there's some people out here that would really like it. I'm just not sure that I would be reaching for it, which I guess for me is kind of the the criteria of whether I'm going to give it a four or not. Sure.
3: Yeah.
1: That's interesting. I expected you to be higher than that. I, I would say that you're... Your thoughts parallel pretty closely with mine. Mm -hmm. On paper, this is not a game that I should have even given a second thought to. Just looking at it, and based on some of the cons that I mentioned, like normally this would be the game that I would poo-poo on. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I had fun playing this game. Despite its appearance, and despite its mathiness, which is weird. I did not expect that. And I had the same concern that you had, Bill, which was... Would it feel the same every time? Would my strategy level out to be the same every time? Would this be a game that I would want to break out with like a new group of people who are like, mm-hmm. what the heck are you putting on the table in front of me? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I still have those concerns. <laughs> and therefore, I was also waffling between a 3 and a 4. But I think as we were talking about it, and as I was thinking through it, I was like, I, I do think I'm probably more on the four side mm-hmm. of this game than on the three side. That could change over time if it does confirm to be that like I would do the same thing every time. There is not a whole lot of variability in the setup, right? Nope. The airports are always the same. There's always the same distribution of cards.
0: Yeah, but it, what cards you get is the variability. What cards you get
1: is different. Where other people start to go. Yep. Where the passengers randomly start to pile up. where some green
2: cubes just randomly appear where the private airlines go which we didn't really talk about but that has an influence yeah Yeah.
1: so i think there's enough there to keep it variable and so for now i'm a four yeah i think okay i think it's got legs and as we talked about it the nuance of the strategy throughout the game i think it's a solidly designed game it's not gonna be for everybody but for me it's four
3: okay
0: so i'll begin by saying that (laughs) again It's worth restating. If you do pick this game up and try it, I just want to be clear. (laughs) If you look at this on the table, you will be like, this game will suck. It has to suck. This game looks terrible. Those are the things you're going to be thinking when you see this game on the table. okay? And to be totally fair, this game is not for everybody. There are a lot of gamers, and I am not saying this judgmentally at all. okay? Hey, look. I'm the one that has the blinged out versions of Castles of Burgundy. Okay, I I like blinged out games. I like that chrome. I like things that look good. And I think there's just a lot of gamers that will not be able to get past how this game looks. And that's fine. Cameron, I don't think, could enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Because I just know what he likes. Mm -hmm. And this is just not it. If that's not a stumbling block for you, though right if you can get past that if you can get past the dry theme and the spreadsheet look and just kind of look at the game and what's presented to you and the mechanisms i actually think there's a really really good game here <laughs> i enjoyed this game a lot and i enjoyed it more and more that i played it i was between a four and a five on this one Wow. okay mm-hmm. mostly because i really just enjoyed the direct player interaction. There's a lot of player action, interaction in this game. right?
2: Surprisingly
0: so. Surprisingly so. And then adding on top of that, the card management and just figuring out what am I going to do with these cards in my hand that's best mm-hmm. with what I'm trying to do from an overall standpoint, I found to be really interesting. I'm going to give this game a five. All
3: you right. Know. The okay. reason
0: I'm giving it a five, because I had the same reservations that Jason had about replayability and stuff, mm-hmm. but this game... Honestly, it it, it almost borders on a filler. It's not a filler. Mm -hmm. But if everybody knows the game, you can play this game like really fast. That's true. I mean, we played a game, I'm pretty sure, in 45 minutes one time. I mean, it's quick. As
1: long as you limit the min maxing. The
0: min maxing at the end is a little long. Right. But what I'm saying is, if this game was an hour and a half to two hours long, I would give it a four probably. Right. But because I could play it, get it out and play it pretty fast,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. I'd be down. I-, I loved this game I really did it was really fun for me so i'm gonna give this game five I thought it was solid all right nice. three, four, five. three four Three,
1: four, five. go joseph all over the map all right well if people out there want to check this one out I think we I think we found pretty cheap copies of it yeah uh, where can others find it
0: yeah there are copies available at noble knight games so there are sponsor you can pick up a few pretty cheap copies I think on noble knight and get ten percent off if you use our discount code, and right now that code is gems off ten, gems off one zero.
1: How many different permutations of ten <laughs> percent off can they come up
0: with? I, I am so sorry. I don't know why we just can't have one code that just stays, stays, probably. but it changes every quarter, and it's a pain. And people always ask us what the code is on Discord, and I am so sorry, folks, that it changes all the time. But right now, it's gems off ten. Okay. You can get it there. There are also 12 copies on the BGG Marketplace.
2: Nice. Good. All right. Uh, Cool. Those are our thoughts on Blue Skies. It's good to have one that people can actually get. (laughs) Readily (laughs) available. Readily available. Readily available.
0: Soar into wealth and fame by running your own multinational airline. Europe is overflowing with travel opportunities, and it's up to you to make it happen. Claim the rights to strategic routes and assign your planes to flight paths between the most famous cities of Europe. It takes money to run an airline, so you will need to pick up some of these lucrative short hops before you can claim the more valuable long flights. When vacation time comes around, announce your final flight to satisfy the holiday needs of world travelers and join the jet set
2: man. Buying my ticket right now. You may move
0: about the cabin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> it's looking sunny in Miami today at a high of 78.
1: Flying at an altitude of- <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jet Set. Published in 2008. Okay. Going back. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah, it does look like it. It looks like an older game. Published by Watzel Pogue Games. At the time of this recording, it's BGG ranking is three thousand three hundred and fifty-six. Designer of this game is Chris Gould. He has a couple of designs you maybe have heard of. A game called Claim It, which is kind of like a can't stop, push your luck type of game. It's pretty good. I've not played that one. And then a Kid in the Shuffle, <laughs> which I've not played. I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was awesome. Is he Australian? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This one was also. Suggested to us by a BGG user, Sean Franco, also known as Legopolis. And what he said when he recommended us to review this one, he said, Imagine if Ticket to Ride wasn't powered by a rummy system, but was instead powered by tight and punishing money management.
2: That's that's descriptive. And I'll
0: just leave that right there for right now. Sounds
1: about right. We'll revisit that. that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. All right. Brief rule summary for Jet Set. Jet Set is a route-building game of sorts where the players are trying to connect European cities with their airlines, sometimes via multiple connections. The board jet jet, jet in Jet Set shows a picture of Europe with numerous cities connected by various different lines or links of varying lengths. So I should just mention right now that we're going to be making a lot of comparisons to Ticket to Ride. I'll explain mm-hmm. why in a second. And you should understand when you're trying to picture this board in your head that it has a lot of similarities with ticket-to-ride. Okay, Mm -hmm. So if you think about a ticket-to-ride like Europe or America, Mm -hmm. you've got lots of dots on the board of different cities, and you've got these different lines connecting those. That's what this board looks like. Segmented bars, yeah. Right. But, yeah, the only difference being jet sets lines are not segmented like ticket-to-rides are where you put the little trains on them. It's a solid line between cities you can put as many planes on those lines as you want which I'll talk about in a minute but instead of them having segments the lines have a value okay I'll talk about that in just a second all right in addition to the board a row of short flight and long flight cards are revealed players score points by connecting the two cities listed on these cards with their airplanes so again you should think of these are kind of similar to tickets and ticket to ride. If I connect Oslo and Berlin I can collect that card and I'll score that number of points that's displayed on that route card basically. Once the board is set up the players will get a pile of airplane miniatures and plastic discs in their player color and then the game will begin. On a player's turn they will take one action and will have a choice between one of five options. Three of these options involve adding airplanes onto links on the game board. So, again, remember, you've got those solid lines connecting cities. You can place planes onto there. So, first, you can place planes on an unowned air link. So, if a link between two cities hasn't been owned yet, you can claim it. Mm -hmm. It will have a value associated with it. You have to pay that value, let's say, 6 euros to the bank, and now you own that link. Also, at that moment, you can place any number of planes on that link at a cost of 5 euros per plane. That's first action. Second action, you can place planes on as many links as you own. So that's one of the valuable parts of claiming a link, is that later in the game, you can come back and add planes to links that you claimed previously. Again, with each plane added to a link costing five euros a piece. But there's one catch, and that you also have to pay a service charge. If you use one link, it's a €2 service charge. But if I placed on two different links that I owned, it's a €5 service charge. If I place on three different links that I own, it's a €10 service charge. So it gets more and more expensive Mm -hmm. the more planes I place on different links that I own. Mm -hmm. And I'll reiterate that because this is the only action in the game where you can place on more than one link at a time. And it has Mm -hmm. to be links that you yourself own. Third... You can place planes on another player's air link. So just because you've claimed a link does not mean that other people cannot play on it. However, mm-hmm. the catch is is that if somebody else places on a link you own, they pay 5 euros for the plane like normal, but then they have to pay you 5 euros. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? Painful.
0: Which can be real painful in a really tight game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fourth, these last two actions are actions that don't involve putting airplanes on the board. You can claim a a short flight or a long flight card. The way that you do this, so let's say that I'm connecting Berlin and Oslo, okay? If I have planes on links connecting those two cities, okay, Mm -hmm. in a continuous line, I can take that card, put it in front of me, scoring points for that card, whatever's pictured on it, and then I will pull off my planes from those links just one though just one one airplane per link to complete that run Mm -hmm. I don't lose ownership of the link if I owned one of those links I just have to pull a plane off to complete that link so if I wanted to claim another card that involved that link I'd have to put another plane on there unless Mm -hmm. I had already put two on there anticipating that I might be using it twice Mm -hmm. okay and then lastly you take income So it's important to understand that every time you complete a route, you take three discs and you put it on that card. When you collect income, your turn basically consists of pulling a disc off of each card and you get five euros for every disc you pull off. If a card doesn't have discs on it anymore because you've collected income three times from that card, it will only give you two euros. Okay, The game will continue on in this way until two vacation cards are pulled from the flight decks, which will trigger the end of the game. So very quickly... There are two vacation cards that are inserted about one-third and two-thirds of the way down in both of the decks. Once two come out, that triggers the end of the game. Once this happens, players can now complete one of their final flight cards. So I didn't mention this, but at the start of the game, players will get two final flight cards. These are like other flight cards, but they involve three different cities, so they're much harder to connect, and they require more links to connect but they're worth 10 points if you're able to do them. Once a player fulfills their final flight card, they take no more turns and will instead place a plane on their final flight card. The game will continue on on until all players have finished their final flight card or one player has five plane markers on their completed final flight card. Players will then score points equal to the point values of their completed short flight, long flight, and final flights, plus an additional two points for each airplane marker on their final flight card. So just going ahead and going out and finishing your final flight card is not bad because you'll just continue to score two points until everybody else has done it as well. Basically,
2: and that's basically how you play Jet Set. You remember how to play it now, Bill? No, I was paying really <laughs> close attention this time. Most of the time, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking a nap while Chris is doing rules. And I was wow. I don't know. You got a little glassy eyed there. Is it I ten was, o'clock yet?
1: I was playing the slide puzzle game. it
0: <laughs> was. If you heard a little click, 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 that was Jason
1: trying to solve it. He didn't do it by the way. I didn't solve it, sadly. (laughs) It's level 90, okay? Give me some give me a break.
0: All right. So I think a logical place to start here is to talk about comparisons to ticket to ride for a couple of reasons. One, most people play ticket to ride, so I think it's probably a good place to start. And secondly, on purpose, this game has a lot of similarities to ticket to ride so Alan Moon was actually consulted on the design of this game he was a play tester he's credited in the rules as kind of helping them with this design so he had a hand in it the similarities are definitely there okay but there's certainly differences too so my question to you would be what did you notice there and did you feel like there were some things you liked more than ticket to ride maybe there were some things that you
1: didn't like as much right what do you think I think for me, Sean captured the gist of this phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. Like the Ticket to Ride minus the rummy plus a grueling economy system (laughs) is like a really great way to summarize this. (laughs) And I love it. I mean, Ticket to Ride is a great game. I'm playing through Ticket to Ride Legacy with my family right now, and we're thoroughly enjoying it. But there's just the depth of strategy that's just not there, right? It's a family game. Sure. This, This is the gamer's version of ticket to ride yeah because it, it removes all of the card set randomness yep and replaces it with a pretty challenging and tension-filled economic system yeah right? it's like do i place that on this route first so that i can claim it or do i do something else that might be more important to me and risk not having that route and having to pay five dollars right. to somebody else every time i want to use it
0: this is one of the key pressure points of the game yeah
1: do i put more than one plane out when i build this route <laughs> right. so that i can like use it and not have to waste time putting planes out there later like it's efficient but i'm strapping myself for cash like there's so many trade-offs <laughs> of tension in the game and even the fact that and i'm not trying to say everything but maybe i am like even the fact that your route cards for the most part aside from your personal long-term route whatever it's called the 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 final flight Mm -hmm. final flight they're shared right yeah so it's not like well i have my hand of cards i'm working on you have your hand of cards we're working on maybe we clash because we both want the same route or something right we are working towards the same route cards on the table and either one of us could claim it first and so it's like i have to constantly be looking at like Mm -hmm. well what's bill doing Where's Chris building planes? What is he maybe trying to fulfill? (laughs) Um, Which normally is weird. Like in most games where it's that like shared tableau recipe fulfillment stuff, I'm like, I hate this because it continually makes this race. And I might spend five turns building up to this thing and then somebody else snipes it for me at the last minute. I feel like in this game, you know what other people are trying to do. Yeah. And so if you invest in something... And then it gets sniped out from you under you. That's your own fault. Right. You know how many turns it's going to take you to get there, and how many yep. turns it's probably going to take them to get there. And if you do that math wrong, like that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a lot of different things I just no. said, but
0: those were all good things. I finished my
1: aviation cocktail, and uh, <laughs> I'm on the roll now. So yeah,
2: that, that was that was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that it is compared so closely with Ticket to Ride because to me, as I played it, other than the fact that I'm. Filling a route between two cities, I never really got a feel of ticket to ride just because of kind of the things that you're saying. The things that were in my mind were so much around the money, how I'm going to get it. Because of the it. crushing economy. Because of the crushing economy. Exactly. Because, I mean, to me, my mindset was the, the route was almost, I mean, you can't say it's really secondary because that's, that's part of where the money comes <laughs> from. But, I don't know, just the the wheels that I were turning in my brain to think about what a good turn looked like just didn't feel like Ticket to Ride to me. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. It does yeah, make no, sense. That's fair. Yeah, that's um, Yeah, I think when you see it on the table
0: and the essence of it shares similarities with Ticket t- 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 to Ride, but it diverges pretty quickly, I think, mm-hmm. once you actually start playing it. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with that very crushing economic engine building, right? Jason, I agree. I think everything you said was spot on. One little thing that I'll add on to that you mentioned really briefly is that really nice tension of do I grab a route now even if it doesn't necessarily help me in the moment versus do I just grab routes that I know are going to make me money? Because money is super tight in this game, especially early. I am telling you, you don't get your economic engine rolling early you're probably sunk right now having said that there is a really nice tension of yeah i can grab this route from here to here because it'll get me a card and that will get me money but i really need to grab this route and maybe even this route and hopefully that card will come up later because i know i need it for my final flight card and that will kind of help me build to that long flight card and i really don't want jason to get it first because then i'll have to pay him and yeah, yeah. It's expensive and it's inefficient. And that was just really good, I thought, that tension there.
1: Yeah, I think you did a good job expanding on that because that was the other thing that I was going to say is that I feel like it forces you, if you're playing this game well, to do this dance of like you need to be hitting a card pretty much every round. Right. So you that you feel like you do. So okay. that you have income. Right, because Mm -hmm. because of the way that income engine works, you're taking the little the the cubes or whatever they are, the little tokens. You need to be completing routes. You have to complete routes, but at the same time, the routes that are available on the board may not be things that are contributing to your long term plan. Right. So it's like, do I do that or do I spend money and time building this route now, like you said, so I don't have to pay somebody else later when I actually do need it. That was that's a good tension. Yeah,
2: it was, and and I don't think you mentioned this. Maybe you did, but you have a choice of a few long routes at the beginning of the game, so you're mm-hmm. kind of picking things, and it was interesting on uh, your final for, flight. Your final flight. So I, I, you know something that only you can complete that you're working towards and nobody else is. Right, right. Yeah. But you but you have you have a choice of Do you want to go across the central part of Europe, or right. do you want to try to go around the edge, or what? Do you, how how do you want to play that? Which yep. is another decision point. And I know for me, what I tried to do is think, well. I don't want to be in the middle of where everybody else is. Let me see if I can go around everybody. Fighting over roots. Fighting yeah. over roots and stuff like that. But, but one of the things that I think hamstrung me was, certainly at the end of the game, was that I didn't get into a place where people were using my routes later. So I wasn't mm. picking up money later right. either. So it was just interesting. I might do it differently next time when I pick my long route. Because that might have forced me to pick routes that I know was contentious, own them, and then cramp somebody else's style I guess in the, in the yeah
0: mid game. totally so going back to Ticket to Ride you reminded me just by saying that you know in Ticket to Ride you can just get straight up blocked right right mm-hmm. like you can just get locked out of Seattle and you're never completing that route mm-hmm. ever that doesn't happen in this game you can always get everywhere yep but it might be expensive it might break you mm-hmm. financially right to try to get everywhere you need to get to get that final flight card done and so I found myself and Jason you kind of alluded this I kept looking at my final flight card and I was like okay How can I weave those short flight cards into that long flight card that then fits into my final flight card? And you're trying Mm -hmm. to find a path there where you can weave Mm -hmm. all these different cards into one big scoring mechanism, all while hoping they don't get sniped by other players, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The other thing about Ticket to Ride is that it always, I feel like, suffers from this thing where you build your network and then everybody just hammers the ticket pile at the end. Right, like, I'm right, going to draw right, tickets right. and then somebody, so draws, somebody draws tickets and they inevitably draw three tickets and they're like, yeah, I'm going to keep all three of these because I already have them done. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That doesn't happen in this game. <laughs> no. Because in order to complete a route, even if you have ownership of of the lines that are connecting those cities, you have to have had planes out there. Mm -hmm. And so it avoids that problem of like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna complete this route and I'm gonna complete that route and I'll I'll build one more train over here and complete this route because my network is situated in such a way that I've connected pretty much everything on the map. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right. You can't do that in this game. That's a good point. You have your network, sure, that makes but it slightly easier it? to get airplanes yeah. out there, but you got to have planes there, so you got to plan for it. You can't just phone it in and like get an extra route. Right. Deep thoughts from Jason right now. He's
0: blowing Seriously. my mind. He's on a roll right
3: now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Yeah,
0: it's it's coming back to me. <laughs>
2: so should we talk about some cons here? What do y'all think? What what'd you not like, Bill? i mean i think you called it out i mean i i think there was a, a moment where i got really cash poor that i can't really say is a thing i dislike i think it's a feature of the game and it's just something you have to mitigate for mm-hmm. and so i can't really say i i don't know i mean that's that was a frustrating part i can see people getting frustrated with it in this game but i don't know i, I can't really call that a con so I'm i'm not sure i have one necessarily hmm. how about you guys well, I'll go next because yours
0: kind of comes with mine. So you mentioned getting cash poor, and mm-hmm. that can just kill you in this game. You can mm-hmm. really just get eliminated in this game early and know you can't win right. if you find yourself behind the eight ball with the income generation. Mm-hmm. And so once you've learned that, I have found in my plays of this game, and I think i played this one more than you all, that unfortunately the game does follow – if you're playing it optimally, I think kind of a mm. predictable sequence or mm-hmm. the game arc will kind of be the same every time unless you don't understand the game. Well, and then you'll lose. <laughs> right. So what I'm saying is, is you can't just out of the gate, have one of those head turning. Oh man, he just completed a long route card. Mm-hmm. Cause if you've done that, you've probably lost. And the reason for that is to get those long routes. It requires a lot of short links but mm. it's very unusual for all those short links to generate income. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm saying is, if you spend your first three turns making connections to claim a long route and you're like, sweet, I've got five points, but now I only have one card that's generating income. And meanwhile, everybody else has three cards that are generating income. You're right. done. Yeah. You are done. Yeah. Your five points aren't going to help you. Mm. So, what inevitably happens is you get a bunch of short routes short route, short, short route. Oh, I finally get a long route.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Short route, long route. And then it, you build to that final flight. So do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like it yeah. kind of follows a predictable pattern. Yeah. And if you don't follow that predictable pattern, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. That, that, that's that been my experience at least.
1: So. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I think that's the game though. That's the puzzle. Yeah. It's like how well can you piece together these routes that are out there? Kind of like you we were saying before to make it such that you are incrementally increasing your engine while at the same time working towards that end game i think for me i don't really have any super major cons about this i would say it's this game somehow is uglier than blue skies in my opinion (laughs) Um, it
0: looks vintage it Mm -hmm.
1: does look vintage and maybe that's what they were going for yeah um you know it's older, so <laughs> give it some grace. But uh, it's not it's not a looker, no. And I would say, and this is not really a con for me, but I would just it's a caveat. Maybe that this is a stressful game. Yes, this is not Ticket to Ride. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Ticket to Ride is like, oh, cool. Maybe somebody blocks me. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, Ticket to Ride can be stressful at times too. You're just like, I curse you. you, get cut off. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. This, this game's stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it had me chomping my nails a little bit. So <laughs> mm-hmm. just know that going into it, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. I'll
0: mention one more thing, just mainly because I agree with this, and a guy I played it with, Brandon Goodman, mentioned it, and I think it's valid, is that the game can feel a little slow and, gr- and glacial at mm-hmm. times just because sometimes your turns cannot be exciting. Right. So in other words, taking income is a turn. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah. your turn consists of I pull my discs off my card and take money. That's right. your turn. True. Or I claim a card. Mm-hmm. That's my turn. Yeah. And they then I have to wait for combined. everybody. to, Yeah. Why couldn't they yeah. combine some of that? Right. Mm. Like he was just like, this sucks. I just take money and not have to wait until all three of you take your turns again. Like, and I got, I get that. Like that could be a little bit annoying. I so I think you should know that. that. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All, all right. right. Final thoughts. Yeah. Let's do it your first this time. Alright. This game was better than it had any right to be. I feel like I was not excited about this game when it came out on the table. I was like, this does not look fun. It looks like it's going to be Ticket to Ride with Airplanes. Blue skies again. (laughs) And but man, this is a good game. I really, really enjoyed this one. I think it I mean, it's not for everybody. Like, if you, I, I mean it when I say this is the gamer's game version of Ticket to Ride. If that appeals to you, yeah. the idea of that appeals to you, of like I'm biting your nails the whole time version of Ticket to Ride, <laughs> this is it. I really, really enjoyed my plays of this one and would love to play it like right now. So <laughs> that's a six for me.
2: Whoa!
3: Whoa!
1: I'm, I'm Holy g- cow! I'm, yeah, I'm I giving was, this one a six.
2: I was not expecting that at all. So. No, I wasn't either. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. really well,
0: know.
1: dude, I'm excited
0: because we didn't mention this in review, but this game has a ton of expansions, too. Oh, yeah, Which, there's
2: a billionaire jet set or something. Yeah. yeah,
0: there's like there's jumbo jets and all kinds of stuff. And Ooh. if you're down, I would love to try them. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Holy no, cow!
0: No, I
1: really, really enjoyed this one. It stressed me the heck out, but I,
0: enjoyed <laughs> I do it. remember you being stressed <laughs> out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap! Yeah, yeah.
1: Nice. Okay, so
0: yeah, I, I want to add a lot more. I thought this was a good game too. I'm not giving it a six. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four, but I mean, I I totally get what Jason is saying. I get where he's coming from. I think this game does a lot of things really well. I like a lot of what it does. The only thing that bothers me about it is I do worry about that predictable pattern, but like Jason said, and I get what he's saying, I think that's what the game is trying to do, right? It's not trying to be a game where, oh, you can grab a a whole bunch of short routes, or you can grab a really long route. Mm -hmm. It's really tasking you with, how are you going to knit these short routes into these longer routes into your final flight more effectively than your opponents? That's what the game's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't fault it too much for that, but I did like it. Like I said, I think it's solid. I'm going to give it a four, and I'm interested to try some expansions too and see how maybe that might
2: even add more life to it. So, yeah. Cool. Awesome. One of the things I kind of liked about it is it just felt like it was the right length for what it is. It's not necessarily a short game, but, I mean, it felt like that it didn't go on too long it didn't mm-hmm. overstay its welcome kind of thing because you were yeah. kind of engaged with it the whole time other than the fact that yeah you can feel like you're out fairly early if you yeah. if you start losing and i saw that happen to a couple people i don't yeah. think
0: y'all were in that game i played it with dan and brandon one time and mm-hmm. somebody made a couple of decisions and they were just like i can't win you know right and they knew it early and
2: that was Tough, but right. that's an experience thing. It's not really the game's fault. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh one thing I'll mention also is, is some of the expansions, um, they talked about it increasing the length of the game. So that might be that'll be interesting to see if you liked them as much, but it mm-hmm. they ends up like turning this game into a two or two and a half hour game. So right. anyway, you have to pay attention to that. Yeah, um, true. anyway. I did like this game. I did like the economy, even though I kind of felt frustrated with it. I think one of the things that I will adjust in my next gameplay is paying the money to get the extra cards out. Because in some levels, because money is we so tight. We
0: talk about that, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I felt like money was so tight that I didn't want to do that. And it's like, you know, I'm just going to make do. But to your point about the game is about getting those short routes yeah. <laughs> on the way to your final route is what you really need to do. Sometimes you need to go fishing for that card you know you can complete if there are no cards you complete to try to get some income exactly exactly so i mean i mean i I always had something i i felt like i could do but it wasn't necessarily in my long-term goals you know kind of thing so not a pro or con but it's just i don't know one of the things i'm thinking about i'm going to give this game a four two just because i I like it i would want to play it again i do feel like i just have so much room to grow (laughs) as far (laughs) as like how to play it well uh, and I think that's a, that's kind of a hallmark for yeah uh, a, a four for me. And, you know, it may go higher once I play it a few more times. I think you make a good point. I think this is the kind of game where somebody
0: that has played it a few times and knows mm-hmm. it will kill a person who's never played it for you. will just get killed. True. I probably. think. Yeah. It's just that yeah. kind of a game. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> can't find this one at noble nine, unfortunately it is a bit older, but there are 17 copies on BGG. Oh, yeah. which is quite a few, and they're pretty reasonably priced. So if you want to t- search it out, and I recommend you do, if you like Ticket to Ride, you should try this for sure. You might find
2: something you like even better. Yeah. It's cool. available. Awesome. Cool. And that's our thoughts on Jet Set.
3: In a world where the
2: skies are the ultimate battleground, where dice-rolling fate hangs in the balance, a team of elite aviators assembles to face the most thrilling challenges the heavens have ever seen. Prepare for adrenaline-fueled adventure as you join forces with your comrades in Sky Team, the pulse-pounding, cooperative dice-rolling game that takes gaming to new heights. As engines roar, alliances are forged, and die are cast, the fate of the skies rests in your hands. Get ready for nonstop action, strategic maneuvers, and heart-stopping moments as you embark on a daring journey where every role could be your last. Sky Team, where teamwork meets turbulence, and only the boldest will soar to victory. Where teamwork makes the dream. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, there was not really any good color text for Sky Team, so I went to ChatGPT and I asked them to use the rules of, bo- of Sky Team and create a uh, action thriller trailer <laughs> like it was <laughs> for that's a movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you got. <laughs> well done, Bill. Uh, what can I say? This, this is a board game designed by Luc Raymond, uh, um, and it was just on... Gosh, what is it? It's... um. God, I'm drawing a blank on the. where you invest money in games. Kickstarter. Okay, yeah, I was just on Kickstarter. <laughs> Holy crap, Get it, it together, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the plane's going moment. down. Uh, seriously, don't give me a hard time. Um, <laughs> yeah, what year I was do, it published, Bill? I don't know. I didn't write that <laughs> part. Oh, no, 2023. Yep, mm-hmm. 2023. Do you have, like, Cliff Notes over there? I do. Okay. It's yeah. not that I don't trust you. I do it for Jason, too. <laughs> 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 So Luke is, uh, is an engineer Pharmaceutical and textile productions You got oh, that in your notes? Okay. Oh no, yeah, yeah. no He's, no. he's, he's a stay a at little home little dad little report on Luke That's That's cool. right he's, he's, uh, he's got six kids So I, you can relate <laughs> with him And now he's a game designer Nice. Uh, his previous games are Lava Land with mm-hmm. David, like we all know David. This is what the notes were on BGG. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Dave. Farm and Furious, Splitto with Romeric. I have heard of Splitto, actually. Okay. I don't know who. the Cluage uh, with David again, whoever David is. Mia Miam Miel, Sum. Uh and then the Sky Team and Reproach. It does have like a bunch of different publishers, like eight different publishers. Which is yeah. Kind of... Most
0: recently, Scorpion Mask. Uh-huh. And uh, Cosmos has published it as well, and its BGG ranking at the time it's recording is four hundred and seven, four hundred and seventeen.
2: Yeah, that and that's that's like changing by, by I don't know fifty almost daily. It seems like it. Yeah, I mean literally this game just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, crazy, and it, it was it was funny. I gave this game to, again, my daughter's boyfriend, John, who's like away in the Plains. He took it to Washington, D.C., and then Chris was like, let's do it for this episode. And we we were looking at doing Pan Am, which we took on the weekends, and some people played that and really enjoyed it. But in trying to get one for the podcast, we couldn't get it. So it was totally sold out. It
0: is nigh impossible to find Sky Team right now, which I found a little ironic. Right. Because we always talk about how you can't find (laughs) the games. And literally, literally. This was one of the hardest games we ever had to acquire to review. Yeah. Your daughter had to ship it. Yeah, she did. From Washington,
2: DC. Yeah. So that we could review it because we couldn't get it. Right, 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 right. And it was funny because so there you go. Yeah. And they'd had it for a bunch of days and they just started playing it and were really liking it. So anyways, like <laughs> they, they sacrificed for us. They did. All right. So Sky Team is a cooperative game for uh, two players in which you play a pilot and a co pilot pilot at the controls of an airliner. Your goal is to work together as a team to land your airplane at different airports around the world. To land your plane, you need to silently use your dice and guide them to the correct spaces in your cockpit control panel, balance the axis of your plane, control its speed, deploy flaps, extend the landing gear, and contact the control tower to clear your path, and even have a little coffee to improve your concentration. If the aircraft tilts too much, stalls, overshoots, or undershoots the airport, or collides with other aircraft, you die. So this game is played on a colorful blue and orange cardboard bat that is designed to give you the vibes that you're looking at a cockpit. The game is set up by choosing a destination airport, turning all your switches off, leveling your plane, and picking a pilot and copilot, and constructing uh, a blind where you'll roll your dice, and then you're ready to to start the game. In the center of this board, there's an axis indicator that looks like it's a horizontal bubble, switches with lights around the edges, and a couple of gauges in the middle with chits that progress a lot during the game. On top of the board, there are two thin segmented pieces of cardboard that look like a bookmark. The one on the right is an altitude indicator and serves as your game timer. You start every game at 7,000 feet and descend at a constant rate of 1,000 feet per turn, with a picture of an airport at the bottom. So at the end of seven rounds, if you're not at the airport or you fly over it, you die. So what does a round look like? Each round has three phases. First is a strategy, discussion, and the dice roll. Before you roll your dice, you can discuss an overall strategy with your pilot or co pilot of how you're going to play the the next round. You can't be specific, like saying if you roll a six, put it here, but you can talk generalities. After your discussion, you can no longer talk and you're silent for the rest of your round. You have four dice and you roll them behind a blind that you construct. The next turn is is placing the dice. Uh, Each player Alternates placing a single dice on the board, doing things to progress you to the airport, and basically not die in the process. There are constraints on the board that tell you what you can and cannot do with the dice. And then the third phase is you basically pick up the dice and clean up and get ready for the next round. Okay, so the, the first thing we'll discuss is the distance indicator. The bookmark on the left is a distance indicator. Each of these sections have planes in them that indicate that there's traffic there if you move into one of these spaces and there's still an airplane there you die there's a picture at the bottom of this bookmark and if it doesn't arrive at the same time that your altimeter reaches the airport you overflow your airport and you die in the middle dial surrounding the circular clear axis indicator which looks like a picture of the back of a plane. Mm-hmm. There are four places to put dice that must always be filled each turn, or again, you die. The top two are your axis indicators, and the bottom two are your engines. Mm-hmm. The top two decide how much your wings to tilt to one direction or the other. It's determined by taking the difference between the two dice and tilting the wings in the direction of the difference. If you ever tilt more than two in that direction, you stall, spin out, and crash, and, of course, die. <laughs> the engines are probably the most complicated part of the game. The power itself is pretty easy. You sum the value of the two dice, and, it, and it, that's the power you're applying to the engine. Yeah. However, below the engine dice placement is a speed gauge, numbered 2 to 12, with two aerodynamic markers that, at the game start, are placed at 5 and 9, dividing this the speed gauge into three sections. Numbers below 5, numbers between 5 and 9, and numbers above 9. Now, looking at your two dice you placed, if the power supply is less than 5, your plane does not move. If it's between 5 and 9, you move 1. And if it's above 9, you move 2. Simple enough. And I I would add, you're doing a good job. And I would say, if your plane doesn't move,
0: it doesn't mean that you crash or anything. You're just going really, really slow. Right, exactly. Which you may need to do to clear the flight traffic so you don't crash into planes to get that out of the way or to get ready for your approach or whatnot so
2: exactly thanks Chris playing with that speed is an interesting part of the game for sure sure you, you have to, you'll, you'll need to sometimes right so the thing is that the aerodynamic markers move as you get closer to the airport the lower indicator moves up by one as you lower each of your three landing gear which is done by the pilot the upper number moves when you lower the flaps, which is performed by the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. All the landing gear have to be lowered, and all the flaps have to be deployed before you get to the airport. The pilot, again, is in charge of lowering the landing gear. He has three places on that side, and you would have to roll one or two for the first gear, three or four for the second, and so forth. The co-pilot has to lower the four full flaps, and they must be done in, in increasing dice order. Now, remember, there is traffic in the air in between us and our destination. In the upper left and right hand corner, there are places to put dice to call into the radio tower and clear out this traffic. You can clear out one plane from a space equal to the dice number that you place in the radio tower recess. A mitigating roll mechanism in play is if you place a dice on the coffee holder at the bottom of the board. You get a coffee cup and you can use it later in the game to move a die up or down one number. When you land at the airport, there are three more spaces on the board that are wheel brakes. The pilot needs to add dice here to engage the, the brakes so that you need to, to roll either uh, less than two, four, or six. So the final winning conditions, both airport pictures need to be showing up at the two cards at the top. No airplanes need, can be in the flight path. All flaps and landing gear have to be engaged, and your wings are level. And then you roll the dice to make sure it's less than the brakes that's the base game so we can talk yeah. about what's so
0: that final roll is your speed right so last speed. an interesting happen- thing happens in this game where your two speed dice you want to generally be high-ish to continue moving forward mm-hmm. towards the airport right but on the final turn when you're actually landing the dice that you attribute to the speed you actually want to be less than that brake value so that you stop right so right. it has to be like low numbers but the more brakes you've apply the more wiggle room you have there
1: well done william i don't know chris that (laughs) rules explanation felt like landing a plane it did (laughs) that
2: was it was shaky you landed it There
1: was some (laughs) turbulence but you landed it
2: oh so let's see we didn't talk about a good question for this one we Um, did oh yeah okay so so what do you think yeah so uh, what did you think about the theme of this game Do you feel like it kind of hit hit the mark as far as making you feel like you were you were landing a plane I'll say yes. I I actually
0: think, not to give my hand away too much here, but of all the things we're going to say about it, probably this game's most redeeming thing, and the best thing about it, is that it's very thematic, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much every mechanism built into the game, whether you like the mechanisms or not, are really thematic. So as you mentioned in your rules, to land a plane... The wheels have to be out, right? Right. Like you have to deploy the landing gear, right? You have to apply the flaps. That's the matter. I and they don't when... have to be. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to land and survive, mm-hmm. these things have to happen. Well, what's cool is the game accounts for that, and mm-hmm. that, that creates drag. Right. And it simulates that by requiring you to place higher numbers on your speed in order to maintain speed because you have more drag, right?
2: Which influences your decision along the way. and Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm.
0: that's very thematic, and I appreciated that. The coffee cups even. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's such a little thing, but you can put little throwaway dice there to get a coffee cup, quote-unquote, which will let you adjust the value of dice later because you're more alert, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Just these little things that they added in. I thought it was really... Oh, and the other thing, how could I forget this? This was probably the neatest thing I thought was the axis, right? Mm-hmm. This little clear disc turns back and forth, and it reminded me a lot of Snowtails. Have you guys played that before? Uh-uh. It's a dog sled racing game where you assign cards, and if you assign the dog on the right a five and the dog on the left a three, your sled will pull two to the right. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, he clearly got that idea, mm. I think, from Snowtails because it has that same idea of... We're turning to the right because we're uneven to the right. And then we may turn back to the left because the dice are uneven towards the left. But it did give you that feeling of your turning, right? Yeah, yeah. So I could appreciate what he was trying to do there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think the the different controls felt, I mean, even, even the look of the cockpit, right? I mean, it looks like you are controlling a plane, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they mimicked the look and feel of a cockpit. I think the different cards that slide around at the top, the bookmarks mm-hmm. that you mentioned, Bill. Yeah. I thought that was a cool thing of your your altitude is continually descending, but you have to like match it up with the with the distance and right. like mm-hmm. land it in the right spot. I thought it did a good job of recreating mm-hmm. the feel of we're coming in for a landing and we got to make right. sure everything's in line, right? So I, I thought it did well in that. Yeah, part.
0: there was one scenario Bill and I played where I think you were landing on a really short runway – On an island or something. It was trying to simulate weaving in between mountains, I think. So you had to take a really sharp right. And then the game forced you to turn a really sharp left for a couple of turns. Simulating that you're kind of weaving
2: through to land on that. Or you don't... You crash, basically. Right. So, yeah, there's a segment of this book that's called The Flight Log. And what I explained was basically the tutorial, right? Mm -hmm, You fly into Montreal, everything is the same. But they have all these different add-ons for all the different airports that you do that do other things that are in addition to what we just talked about, for what Chris was talking about. There's one of them that says the angle of your wings needs to be turned these two spaces as you're coming into approach so it's simulating like you're banking missing the mountain and right. then for the next two it needs to be banked the other way right. so you need to make sure you're placing your dice so that your wings are at the right angle or right. you run into the mountain yeah. so plus uh,
0: that bookmark is really short mm-hmm. and so it's forcing you to play low dice to your speed mm-hmm. to slow down right so that basically your descent catches up with you right it's pretty neat how
2: they did that. I think right. If, yeah, uh, I'm gonna to call out some other things that were part of this logbook just because I feel like to me the meat of this game is once you get past that first scenario yeah. where you start doing these other things. Like there is one that has this kerosene fuel tank <laughs> thing on, on the yeah we played uh, that one right the, the the counts down on the left so you have to put a dice over there so that you can prevent yourself from running out of gas before you before you land mm-hmm. there's a wind speed that that will, will actually force you to go faster than you necessarily yeah. want to go and or like turn into it you're um, training
0: your intern
2: right you're <laughs> training the intern if you have the intern you can't have coffee which is horrible there's one here that's like ice breaks there's a kerosene leak yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's another one of the big selling points of this game is. And I think we should just come out and say it. This is maybe a small con, but I'm just going to go ahead and mention it because it segues into this other point. But the base scenario is very easy. Yeah. I mean, it's real easy. Bill and I cleared it on our first go. Jason and Garrett played it together on the getaway, and they cleared it, I think, on their first go. Mm -hmm. And without a lot of difficulty. Right, It's it's just teaching you how to play the game this flight log with these different mm. scenarios are required. Right. You you need them and you should play with them because otherwise the game I don't think is as interesting as it needs to be. But I do like that it gives you all these different things that increase the replayability and the difficulty. Mm. <laughs> Cause that's another thing I will mention is that even like the medium level ones were not very difficult. Bill, you and I played this together a few times, and we mm-hmm. did a hard one, I think, a red one. We even cleared that one. Right, but it was close. It was close. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it was easy, but I do like my co-op games to be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And these, to be fair, it does have a few black ones in there that we never tried. Right. right, But I will just say, we played it one night together, we did several scenarios, and I think we only died once, and that's because Bill forgot to put dice on the kerosene mark. <laughs> <laughs> true. (laughs) Sorry. So, I don't know. I like the variability. I question...
1: How much does it actually add?
0: Right, because we were just clearing everything.
1: You know what I mean? We were were clearing it. Well, my thoughts on that are no matter how many different gauges or buttons you add in to press, you're still rolling dice and putting them down with no communication. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like you're either going to roll the dice you need or you're not. And if you don't, roll the dice that you need. Yeah, you have these mitigating factors or whatever. I, I don't know. I question how much is their actual strategy to how you apply those dice and how much of it is, well, there's just more things. There's just more buttons to press, mm. right? And therefore it's harder because I have to roll the right die more exactly because I only have so many coffee cups. Uh, right. And like it gets harder because there's more things I have to do but it doesn't necessarily mean there's more strategy that I have to think through. This is a classic problem with
0: co-op games. Mm -hmm. It's like, is it harder because I'm not grasping it, or is it harder because it's added in more random
1: elements I can't control that kill me?
3: Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, to be fair, y'all played it more than I did, so I can't speak to that directly. But I question if that's the case, Hmm. right?
2: Yeah, I would say that other than, to me, where I felt like there was good strategy with the cards where we had to interact with each other like like yeah. exchanging the dice or, yeah to me to me that was that was a strategic element that we could have messed up if we did the wrong thing at the wrong time kind of thing or, or helped us overcome something where we might have crashed earlier yeah yeah wow. it's like we talked
1: about theme it's ironic because the, the biggest thematic disconnect here is i'm like i mean i hope that when I'm flying, Delta, my co-pilot and my pilot are communicating. <laughs> with each other. Like, yeah. I, I know why they did it. They did it because they didn't want their the to, this to be like a quarterbacking yeah. thing right. where somebody dictates everything that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> but it's like there's only so much you can talk about mm-hmm. during the time when you can talk. It's like, well, we need to land the plane. These are the things that need to happen. It's pretty clear. <laughs> right. Like that's what we're going to do. And then we roll dice, and then we can't talk about what they are, right? And so it's this weird thematic disconnect of like, all right, well, we're going to strategize about the things that we can't really strategize about. It's like, well, the flaps aren't down. We need to put the flaps down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody knows that, right? But then we roll dice and we're at the mercy of this random roll and we can't communicate. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, you could say, okay, well, maybe like me putting a die in this spot, tries to communicate something but i question like what can Mm -hmm. you really communicate by placing a die in a certain spot maybe those cards add more in Uh, but but i'm like i'm struggling to figure out where the strategy actually is in this game or if it isn't just a cool mechanism applied to random dice rolls and you either roll the right dice or you don't or you screw up because somebody like prioritizes the wrong thing at the wrong time or they don't right i don't know
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. I would say the thing that maybe worries me about this game is that the reason I think Bill and I were having as much success as we were having is Mm -hmm. because there are so many things you can do with your die, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's never a die that's just dead. At worst, it's going to become a coffee cup, Mm -hmm. which can become really helpful later. But because there's so many spaces on your board where you can use a 2, a 3, a 4, a 5, or a 6... I felt like every turn, we were just able to get our dice out in places that made sense. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. Like, I never felt worried <laughs> that mm-hmm. we were going to clear. Mm-hmm. Never. Even on the hard ones. Do you remember? Like, I was like, we're we're going we're gonna to be fine. It I remember you saying like...
2: that, but I, I was a little more nervous.
0: Because it. <laughs> it, it just always felt like it just worked itself out.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Because there was just so many things we could do with the dice, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It depends on your personality types. I'm, I'm thinking you guys are no warm fuzzy kind of guys. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I would have
1: warm fuzzies if I felt like I had to do something clever to solve a problem. And I guess that's where I'm struggling with this is like, what problem am I really solving? when i'm doing mm. this or am i just assigning dice out to the place where it makes the most sense right right um, and just hoping it works out or am i taking a risk am i saying okay well i could put this dice here and take a risk and hope that we score an extra point or something but that puts us at risk on the next turn or do i not right but i don't see those opportunities here
0: okay so want to we want to wrap this up
2: Sure, who
3: goes first this time? Let's land the
0: plane. Let's land the plane. Let's bring it in. It's me. I start this time. Okay, so I'll begin by saying that, you know, when we first really started getting heavy into the hobby, Jason and I, probably around 2010, board game reviewers used to really use the phrase pasted on theme a lot. Mm -hmm. And they still do a little bit, but not nearly as much. as they. I mean, it used to just be used all the time. And the reason for that was that, A lot of times it was very pasted on, right? I feel Mm -hmm. like board game designers now have done a really good job at marrying mechanisms to theme. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't hear that as much anymore. And this is a really good example of that. Again, Mm -hmm. I will reiterate that I think probably the coolest thing about this game is just how he took all these flight things Mm -hmm. and put gamery dice mechanisms with them in a way that's cool and thematic and makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? The game feels intuitive, Right? right, You deploy the landing gear, you slow down. That makes sense. You play a 5 over here and a 3 over here, you turn 2 to the right. That makes sense. Right? It feels thematic. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat. Now, <laughs> did I have fun? I did, but I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one. I don't do this often, but I'm going to give this kind of like a split rating. I'm kind of like 3-4. Meaning that... I'm giving it a four right now because I would like to try some of the other scenarios just to experience them Mm -hmm. and kind of say I've done it and just kind of play it. Right. But I think once I've kind of done everything, Mm -hmm. I think I'm done with this game. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. once I've played a couple of the really hard ones and Mm -hmm. completed those, which I think we would be able to do, I'd just be like, okay, that was cool. I did it. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Kind of done. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of why I'm saying three, four. Like I want to play it a couple more times, but this is not a game I would keep. I don't think. Mm -hmm. it just there's not enough to keep me invested long term right so that's kind of where i'm at on this one Mm
2: -hmm. all right bill me well i'm next you're next clockwise my friend um yeah i mean truly this game feels tight to me it's like what you're saying as far as spot on is in theme that it, it hits it out of the park i guess as far as the look of the cockpit yeah um you know, the the, the struck, little radial buttons flipping the, the buttons. The Yeah, buttons. Um, cool. yeah. yeah, I do feel like they, they play-tested it well. It's, it's not a razor's edge line, certainly not for the, the tutorial mission, I'll call it, because you're really not in danger of losing that the one. Way. But yeah. but as, as it amps up, I can see it getting difficult, especially when you get to the black ones. I can see people, when you play the red ones, if you make a, a poor choice at the beginning, it would be way more trouble mm-hmm. than we were. And maybe if we had a couple bad rolls, we might have been in trouble. However how do you feel if you think you're doing everything right and you don't do it because of the bad roles, right? I don't, I don't know how I would feel about that, Yeah, but I had fun playing with you. I had had fun playing with my daughter, Sarah, with Katie, but I'm a hundred percent with you in that. If I completed all three black scenarios, would I ever want to come back and do it again? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I mean, in some levels, I like would put this in a curio category. That you say, "Hey, let me pull yeah. this out. Have you ever seen this before? You know, let's yeah. let's try there's this. Nothing thing. like it. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing like it. Let's let's do it and play it a few times. And if I had it, I might keep it for that. And I think John might like it just because he likes playing games and it kind mm-hmm. of fits a good. Oh know, yeah, if you like planes, if you dig planes, you would love this game, right? Yeah. Exactly, and he he could play with his friends. So I, you know, I'm going to give it a four as well. It's a good game. But I I can see it it falls into the same trap I guess every co op game,
0: in, yeah. In, in many ways, they're just so hard to get right. But I'm too hard on them. That's the thing. <laughs> I think you gotta take my opinion on co ops with a grain of salt. Like mm-hmm. I, it's hard to impress me with a co op. Mm-hmm. This one was better than most, though. Mm-hmm. What
1: do you think, Jason? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say that I'm with you on the. I'm hard to impress with a co op too. Mm-hmm. For me. I think where I struggled was I struggled to find the game mm. in this mm. um, it's definitely a cool exercise it's, mm. it's a very cool thematic exercise in placing dice <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but it feels like it's like a <laughs> scenario level problem solving exercise it's mm. like okay well this scenario adds in the fuel tank alright well the, the solution to that is XYZ we solved that <laughs> Like, like you were saying, Bill, like when the, when the dis, when you have to like, make the distance shorter or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, we figured out because we talked about it for thirty seconds that we just put the landing gear down first. (laughs) We've solved the scenario. well that was genius move, Jason. (laughs) What are you talking about? Right, but it's like, well, we solved the scenario. Right? (laughs) Do we really have to go through the exercise of randomly rolling dice to see whether we roll the right die or not? I I mean, I don't know. Right. (laughs) Like, He's I don't say that. I don't say that in a mean way. I Basically, just, new games suck is what we're saying. No, I didn't say that. I've played new I'm games here. and I like them. We played Dune Imperium recently. I like that one. That is true. Um, I'm not against new games. I think, like we said, I've not ever been super impressed by by a co op. This one didn't break the mold. <laughs> <laughs> And if anything, I was like struggling to figure out where's the game, right? Because, because it feels like while well, I'm rolling dice and then I'm silently placing them out on a board in the best way that I know how, and I'm trying to mitigate stuff. I don't. Maybe it's just that element. Maybe it's just dice rolling in general, where you're just trying to mitigate it to meet a goal. Like that doesn't feel like a game to me. It mm-hmm. feels like, uh, well, like okay, I strategize here. Okay, I, I use my ability that I already had. <laughs> and I like (laughs) may change this die and I make it perfect. And now I'm good. It doesn't feel like a game to me because there's no, there's no trade-offs. There's no tension. I mean, I guess you could say the tension is like, well, you're going to crash the plane if you don't get the right dice. (laughs)
3: It's like,
1: well, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, (laughs) I, so I much fun! No, I am all about having fun playing games. I just this one just didn't do it for me. Aren't for you glad reason, you played right? this one with me, Bill? I am so, I, glad to. <laughs> I'm so glad. Me and Garrett played it, and it was fine. Right? I didn't hate my experience of it, but would I want to continue playing it? Do I even really have a desire to go back and play some of the advanced scenarios? I don't. And, and maybe, maybe that's a fault of mine. They're like well if you just played the advanced scenarios you'd love it and I'm like I, I don't think so <laughs> but that's just me and you can take that for what it's worth based on knowing how grumpy and curmudgeonly I am about most things so I, ge- I gave this one a 3 I-, I wasn't mean enough to give it a 2 although I do question like is there a game here or is it just an exercise but I- I'm solidly a 3 of, like, okay. I-, I played it it's a cool theme ironically a theme that I've thought about on my own of like could I design a game around something where you're moving gauges and trying to control various aspects of piloting something but I feel like if I would pay money for a game where somebody took that mechanism and applied it to a non-co-op using action points to like guide your ship or something through something where I'm trying to collect resources or I'm trying to like accomplish something or build an engine or something like I think that could be an awesome like mechanism behind a game
2: so the opposing but. players are like weather and <laughs> i mean how do you how do you
3: uh,
1: we don't have to get into it right now i, I have some thoughts around that uh, i just don't have time in my life to okay. be designing games but I, I think it could be a cool a cool mechanism so mm-hmm. if somebody's already thinking about that <laughs> message me on discord and we can credit talk. jason <laughs> yeah. anyway solid three for me all right Well, those are our thoughts. Well, hold on. on. i got to talk about
0: where we can get it. Oh, okay. You can't. (laughs) So this game is in between print runs right now. So, I mean, literally this game, you just cannot find it anywhere. I looked everywhere. Amazon, Noble Knight, BGG, eBay. No. And I guess that's mostly because it's popular. Now, having said that, to be fair, it will be back in print soon. You will be able to try it. It's not like our older games where they're kind of gone, gone. But like I said, it was not. This was one of the hardest games for us to acquire, mm-hmm. which I found really funny, honestly. It was, it was very funny because one of the whole genesis of this whole two and a new was reviewing games that people could actually play, and you can't even <laughs> find this game. <laughs> so
3: but it's fun. coming. That's funny.
0: So that was fun. So yeah. So if you'd like to hear about other new games that suck. Tune in to our uh <laughs> backstage podcast. <laughs> wow. Uh anyway. All right. Well, those are our thoughts on Sky Team. Well, little uh post tune a new breakdown here. That was interesting. Yeah. We're I'm really not trying to be a homer here. I swear. I went into this open minded. Oh, yeah. But of the three, Sky Team was my least favorite.
2: Oh yeah?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. it was
2: yeah probably but, uh, well i take that back for me these things are just so situational and who you have in your life kind yeah. of thing and because i have people in my life that i think would like it i i like it for that reason sure. and so it's like having a, a game that you know your kids like would yeah. probably yeah you know for sure jump things up so
1: like ticket to ride is not my favorite game in the world but i'm having a blast playing it with my kids right, right. You now going through yeah. Legacy right Right. I, I totally get that but yeah I'm excited to do more of these yeah I think it'll be good
0: I definitely don't think this will be the norm like I said I, I hope people don't think that we're intentionally dogging Sky Team to try to prove a point that old games are the best that is not what we're doing it and just, we're not so- selling out we're not, selling, we're not selling out. It just happened to fall that way this time. I'm sure in the future we'll play a new game where we're like, yeah, this game is just superior to these old games in every it, way. But that was not the case this time, for sure. It's funny. If, if we had played Pan Am, which I think would have
2: been more in the, in the line of these other ones, it would have been interesting to yeah. see how that would have played out. <laughs> may have been different. Yeah. But, yeah, but this is the new hotness It for is. Sure.
0: I mean, it's, in, it's almost in the top 400. It probably is now at the time of this release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah.
2: You guys are funny.
0: Blue Skies is way better than this guy. All
1: right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Hidden Gems. If you like what we're doing here, please remember that it's a huge help to us to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Or follow us on one of our many social media platforms. Check out the BGG Guild if you want to interact with us or share a game that you feel is a hidden gem. And if you're so inclined, please consider supporting the show over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash hiddengemspodcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason. This is Chris. And this is Bill. Thanks for listening.
0: This episode of Hidden Gems, number 59, was recorded in Raleigh, North Carolina on February 4th, 2004. Join us again in three weeks as we welcome another guest host onto the show, Daniel Wallen, also known as The Game Table, on Instagram. Daniel's favorite designer is Stefan Feld, so join us as we talk about three more lesser talked about games from the Feld catalog. Hidden Gems is produced and edited by Chris Alley, Cameron Lockie, and Jason Yonchleff. The Board Game Guild is monitored and managed by honorary Hidden Gems team member Ghidorah. Our Discord channel is monitored and managed by honorary Hidden Gems team member Snoozefest. Our show's logo was illustrated by designer and artist Caitlin Nieto. Check out her work on Instagram at It's Caitlin Nieto. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to join the discussion on our many social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook at Hidden Gems Board Game Podcast, Instagram at HiddenGems.Podcast and Twitter at HiddenGemsBoard. Disagree with one of our reviews? Have something you want to say about one of the games we discussed today? You can also make your voice heard on our Board Game Geek Guild at BoardGameGeek.com, Guild number 3874. Once again, thank you for joining us on Hidden Gems. And until next time, fellow gem seekers, enjoy your games and enjoy your search.